Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I have trust issues with this year's NFL. And hear me out as we get into an NFL weekend throughout the course of all of sports fandom. I understand that sometimes chaos is good. I understand what we love is unpredictability. And I understand that you can look at it right now and you can look at the standings and say, how exciting is this? We don't really know today who's going to win the Super Bowl. And sometimes that's great because you're looking across the board and you're saying, God, there's so many great teams. But this year, it feels like we're having that same conversation with a yeah, but because this year it feels like all across the board, the teams we want to be great are actually mostly pretty good. And the fatal flaws outweigh the greatness that we're seeing every single weekend. We're stuck in a situation where we don't know who's great because maybe nobody is. It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out. I'll be hanging out all morning long with Figgy, with Shay, with Mighty Mark. You guys know the drill. As always, we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And you think about what the NFL should be. In my mind, by now, when you hit week 14, you should be able to make definitive statements. You should be able to look around the landscape of the league and know, okay, I've got a good sense today of who's great. And there are times that it feels like we have that. I have a good sense of who's terrible. And there are times that we have that. But we live in a world right now in the NFL where just when we think New England's going to tank their way out, they turn around and get a Thursday night win. How many people today are looking at their favorite app trying to figure out what they're going to put some money on, and you're trying to figure out who's actually amazing? Sure, you could say San Francisco. That's the easy one. I can hear you guys screaming from a mile away saying, ah, the 49ers are great. Yes, but there's an easy yeah, but what about that three-game losing streak? Do we have any idea to this day what really caused it? You can yeah, but Brock Purdy. People have been trying to do that. And let's hold the same Brock Purdy argument that we have to other quarterbacks. Yeah, but we haven't seen it in the playoffs because that's the yeah, but we're going to use for the Cowboys. Going to turn around and say, oh, well, the Cowboys look great right now. Mike McCarthy looks like he has figured it out. It looks like this offense is clicking. Dak is an MVP candidate. Yeah, but wait till we see it in the playoffs. There's a yeah, but for every one of these teams. 
Even Philadelphia, a show we, a, a team we talk about on this show all the time, rightfully so. I mean, I feel like you know Gargano's going to come and kill me here at this. But let, let's be real, Philly has been yeah, but all year. Uh, it's pretty good, but you know I'm not a hundred percent sure. And then when they actually take on the juggernaut of the 49ers, now it's like oh, oh, the sky is falling because every one of these teams that we think is going to be great. It actually turned out to only be pretty good. This is the year of, yeah, you know, maybe across the NFL landscape. Nobody's willing to rule out Patrick Mahomes. Nobody wants to say the Chiefs are out of it because that's just bad business. It's dumb. We've seen him do it too many times. He's due. But when has he's due ever been an argument for a team going to the Super Bowl? The Miami Dolphins right now would be the top seed in the AFC. If the playoffs started today, think about that. The team that we have spent weeks saying they haven't beaten anybody. The team that we spent weeks saying, well, you know, if they didn't put 70 on Denver, I don't know. That's the top seed in the AFC today. When's the last time we hit week 14 where you didn't feel comfortable with any of the teams that are supposed to be great? When's the last time we got to this point and Philly-Dallas, which is the Sunday night game we are all stoked for, really is a prove-it game. Not for who's going to win the division. Not just for how the playoffs are going to look. It's a prove-it game to try and figure out if these two teams are actually elite. We love chaos. We'll get into college football and why we love chaos. We love unpredictability. We all do. But we also, at some point, love greatness we love somebody that separates somebody that stands out somebody that we can all flock to and say oh my god that's the team that either i'm rooting for or man that's the team we have got to take down and the most interesting thing to me right now in this year's nfl is i don't think we still to this moment know who that team is figgy Hear me out. Am I right? Or do you have, are, are you comfortable right now if I told you you had to put your house on the line, all right, and you had to say, this is the team I will bank on? Is there really anybody in this year's NFL that you're even slightly comfortable doing that with? Not a single one. For everything that you – every single solitary team has a fatal flaw. But you know what? And maybe I'm in the minority in this, and maybe this is because our beloved Raiders have no shot of winning a championship <laughs> this year. As in, So just as an impartial observer and a fan of the sport – I love it. I love every single second of it. And also, I will say, as someone who doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily like you know going and uh, putting a couple of shekels on a game here or there, so I don't have to worry about the frustration of ah, they didn't cover the. I don't have to worry about that. But not knowing who's going to win on a game in game out basis, a week in week out basis, who's favored, who's not, home field advantage doesn't matter, does it not? This is what the NFL generally wants, and this is something that someone like myself eats alive. I love the fact that not knowing that yeah, Philadelphia is playing Dallas, and Dallas is undefeated at home, but and they played them tough in. Philadelphia. Would it surprise anybody if the Eagles went into Dallas on Sunday night and won by two two touchdowns? You know, it's you just don't know how this league is going to turn out this year. And I think this is this is exactly as an objective observer of the sport, who's a fan of the sport of football, who loves chaos. I'm 100% in love with it. I, I can't get enough of it. You have you've injected this in my my veins, and now I've got now we've got a theory going here. We got a theory going. Would we rather have greatness 
or would we rather have sort of excitement? And I, I think this this sort of goes across the landscape of life, right? Because I'll make the argument that using you know the years I spent on the road in music, you can have the best musician in the world. And it doesn't matter if the show's boring, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you go see them live, you're like, man, four songs in, this, this is great, but I really should have stayed home and just, you know, drank a fifth and listened <laughs> to this instead, right? Like, yeah. that, that's, you know, th- there's this level of what would we rather have, excitement or greatness. And I think I'm with you as you laid it out that way, Figgy, because, like, I'm sitting here now thinking, you're right. Like, th- there are two ways the NFL usually plays out. Either you have this, but by now, I think they're usually better teams, but you have this level of unpredictability, or you have that year where the Patriots are undefeated and everybody's trying to hope that they we watch you know David versus Goliath somewhere maybe this is is better like March Madness we want upsets everywhere until we get to the final four that's Mm -hmm. where we want big brands in the NFL man maybe you're right maybe maybe having this level of I'd, I'd rather watch everybody just I'd rather watch the wrecks every Saturday or Sunday of it and, and the chaos of it. Maybe yeah. you're right. Well, and the good thing is, look, it's not like we have just a, a slew of just average teams left and right. I mean, you got not, Miami has nine wins, Baltimore has nine wins, Jacksonville's eight, you know, Philadelphia has ten, Detroit has nine. So there's good teams at the top of most of these divisions outside of really the NFC South. Uh, the problem is you just can't get your finger on even the, the Eagles at ten and two, to, to your point have those fatal flaws. They can't stop the run this year. They've been winning by the skin of their teeth every single solitary week. So it's kind of hard to get a read on it. So I think that's the frustrating part is usually by now, you get to the after Thanksgiving portion of the schedule, you start to figure out who's who, who the best teams are. You start separating yourself. And the, the issue is even among the best teams, they haven't separated themselves. We don't know if Philadelphia is going to be the one seed. We don't know if Detroit's going to be the one seed. We think San Francisco might, but they can kind of stub their toe again if something happens. Who knows down the stretch here? So it's it's the the kind of the fear of the unknown. And I would much prefer. Look, as much as I love seeing the Patriots lose uh, and have their undefeated season go go up in flames in the Super Bowl, I feel like I enjoy this a lot more. Well, and what's hard for me because I agree with everything you just said. And I think it's a really smart point the way you laid it out. Uh, by the way, you're listening to The Fellas, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily and, easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. It's The Fellas on Fox Sports Radio. And I, I think the problem for me, not the problem, but the way I look at it, like you mentioned nine and three, and let's do right now to the NFL what the NFL does to human beings all the time. Like the number of times we sit there and say, well, this quarterback in next year's draft class would have been like <laughs> the fourth best, right? right. Like we see, we hear that all the time. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about just what nine and three usually looks like, what nine and three usually feels like, what like when we're sitting here most Decembers. If I said to you that team's nine and three, you'd be like, oh damn, ooh, mm-hmm. I want to go watch them play. How like do the Lions feel like a nine and three team? Like I know I'm exaggerating here, but like do the Lions really? feel feel like a nine and three team to us to do the Dolphins who I just mentioned in the opening you know they haven't beaten anybody that's worth a damn the Ravens feel like the most invisible nine and three I can remember the Chiefs are having most years if you're sitting around with the record they have you're feeling pretty good but now we're sitting here saying no it's an abject disaster you see what I'm saying so it, it doesn't feel like nine and three eight and four those sorts of things that we're used to they don't have the same cachet this year it just doesn't feel as fancy 
Yeah, no, I 100% agree. <laughs> I agree. It makes total sense. It was like they look impressive on paper from a resume standpoint as far as like the wins and loss column. But yeah, you look at them on the field. Even Miami for the last couple of weeks has not looked as explosive as they were to say the start of the season when they were dropping 70 against Denver. You mentioned Baltimore, pretty ho hum for the most part. Good defensively, not really lighting it up on offense. Kansas City has been woeful offensively, considering they have the best quarterback in the entire league. Detroit hit the skids the last couple of weeks compared to how they started the season. So yeah, you, you start poking holes in all these teams and say, yes, they have a winning record, but certainly nothing overly impressive. Shay, get in on this. Tell me, like you went of all things. By the way, we got to give Shay a little bit of love on the show. That's right, yeah. A little bit of credit, you know. Shay, you you you, you powered through. You went to the game last week, the Rams uh, Browns game. Was it everything you hoped it would be and more? It okay. It was great seeing the Browns. To be honest, I'm I'm very happy I went just because I haven't seen them before, and I was probably screaming Joe cool the entire time i was so happy to see joe flacco and that first touchdown was probably the happiest i've been in the last five years just seeing that was just oh it was beautiful we did end up losing sorry the browns ended up losing but i just uh, wait 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 is there some objection to the usage of the word we yeah like, oh, so this is definitely like a mid-july dog days of summer uh, sports talk radio topic can you say we or us if you don't play for the team yeah it's and, right in uh, line with is a hot dog a sandwich kind of thing Wait, 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 wait. It's a wait, big wait. topic. It's a big topic really on this show. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's a uh, violation, as Anthony would say. Uh, you know what? Anthony, sorry, buddy. It is not a violation to say we. Uh, it's we, like, baby. It's, 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 it's all, yeah. I'm all in. So, love it. You, you uh, the collective you, including you, lost, which is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, but was, I was uh, there. So, honestly, we. I was right. there. <laughs> but um, I got to say this one thing. Did you see that um, pre show, the anthem? The saxophone dude? Oh no! Was it Mike Phillips? Is that who I don't, played? I don't know his name. The, so there's a really famous saxophone player that uh, plays the anthem all the time. That we follow each other on social media. He's he's great. So he's I guess I, I awesome. think he broke like a record for like the longest note held for like <laughs> like in like during an anthem like national anthem like while playing it and it was insane. I'll send you the video because I think you'll like it a lot. But my, I mean I'm already a couple beers in. You saw my tweets and like just mm-hmm. seeing that was absolutely. It Those was small beers, by the way. They weren't. They were not small beers. And thank you. I like it. Jason, uh, he gave me a couple of them. Yeah, thank you to that. And, uh, yeah, no, but the fu- the funny thing is, like, Shay hits me up at one point. And he's like, all right, what kind of beer do you drink? And I'm like, oh, man, go better than I. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm the first one. Like, I spent a lot of years on a country music tour bus. That means it's all, like, either Rolling Coors rock. or Bud Light. Like, that's like, <laughs> that's like if you're really fancy tour, you're up on the Coors tour. Like, that's so, like, you can do better than whatever I've, the slop that I usually drink. I, I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. Yeah, but no, I, I had a great time. It was great. Thanks to you guys. I had an amazing time. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to when they play the Chargers in 2027. Oh, God. <laughs> and so, Joe Flacco might still be quarterbacking you by then. We'll see. I mean, if, oh. he might get us a Super Bowl this might, year, baby. He very well might. AFC oh, is put God. on notice, baby. How bad do you have to feel if you're like Zach Wilson and you've been in the league for the last couple of years? Yeah, riding the bike, getting some starts here or there. Joe Flacco's been sitting on his couch probably drinking beers himself the last month. Gets called up, is on the Browns for two weeks, and damn near wins a football game at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. a touchdown on his first drive back. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But, uh, you know what? You've really... I am now shooketh with another opinion. Instead of being great, shooketh is my word of the day. Uh, like instead that. of being uh, great, 
we'd rather see chaos. Well, uh, maybe in the NFL, it's like the whole better to have people think you're an idiot than to prove it. Like <laughs> you're better to just not even real. Like we're going to watch CJ Beathard start a, a football game this week. CJ Beathard has more career for the next five years in the NFL opportunity than Zach Wilson does because we've just all turned on Zach. Like for the rest of Zach's career, anytime he steps behind center, somebody's going to go, oh, but they're not doing that with CJ Beathard. Like it, it, it is interesting. It's just. You make a good point. So, Shay, are you in on chaos, or would you rather see at this point? Do you, let me ask it this way: At this point, do you trust anybody in the NFL? I I don't. I mean, I really don't. To be honest, like as a Browns fan, you can't trust a single thing. So it's. I mean, yeah, I love the Eagles. I love hearing Anthony talk about it. But again, that Forty Nine er game was just—they're beatable. And then again, the Forty Nine ers—they they had that three-game losing streak, as you brought up. Again, beatable. And then the Dolphins, yeah, they're the Dolphins, but they can't win against good teams. So it's like, at this point, and yeah, I guess you can't count out Patrick Mahomes, and then you also got the Bills just sitting there. They're not that great, but who knows. I, I, I just, I, it's, it's, I love the chaos, especially when you have someone like Jake Browning coming out of nowhere and looking better. Than, hey, that's Pac-12 right there. Yeah, Pac-12. It's Piggy's guy. It, that's the phenomenon this year that we're watching through all of this chaos. We're watching this weird phenomenon of quarterbacks coming out and just having like, that we've never heard of, having a week or two where you're sitting there saying, holy hell, that guy's got a future in the league. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, it comes down to earth, right? Like, that's the <laughs> the, the expert. Like, I'm just not going to do this. I'm not going to be Charlie Brown running up to the football with Jake Browning. Like, let's see it. Let's, you know, let's see where we are at the end of the season. But last week, people being like, oh, man, Browning's going to get himself a starting job somewhere. I don't know why we went deep southern country yeah, with that I, voice. but I wouldn't go that far. I, I mean, they did it with Joshua Dobbs, too, when he had that one game, and then uh-huh. everyone was like, all right, we're back to earth. Like, <laughs> he's who he is again. I mean, but look, I mean, what, look what Brock Purdy's doing right now. Sometimes the player, the circumstance, the opportunity, you're never, I'm not saying he's going to be Brock Purdy. You just never know. You, you have just, we're just going to clip this off, save this forever. Brock Purdy is, Brock is now the guy that like, we're like, oh, do you have any friends? Like you see somebody that like, they're in a happy relationship. You walk and be like, you got any friends? Everybody's looking for another Brock. Yep. So like, they just want their own, like uh, their own. You can't even, by the way, in the world of trust, again, I will reiterate the Patriots won on Thursday night. You Oof, can't yeah. even tr- yeah. trust the teams to suck that are supposed to suck. You can't. Like this this year, you have no idea. We're going to keep breaking down what you can and can't trust, the issues that I have. And uh, for once, it's not with my therapist and it's not about my mom. So I feel like that's personal growth. Uh, but we're going to break all that down. In the meantime, there was something yesterday that absolutely had the entire sports world just we were stuck on social media. It was Shohei Otani. The question is, is all of this hype actually worth it? We'll break it down next. It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Do you love Selena? Like, really love 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a line in everything that we consume and how we consume it and who we consume it from. And sometimes that gets blurred when we're looking for breaking news. Realistically, we have moments where we all flock to whatever, Twitter, social media, wherever, because we're trying to figure out who's headed where. And yesterday was a great example of that with the Shohei Otani sweepstakes getting absolutely out of control. And I know it's a football weekend, but I think there's a really important lesson and question that comes out of everything that happened yesterday, where reporting was telling us that Shohei was headed on a plane to Toronto, only to find out today as we wake up that he still hasn't signed anywhere. And realistically, all of this raises this massive question for all of the attention that we're paying to it. Is this Shohei sweepstakes really worth it? It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, We're uh, football fans. Be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio every Saturday morning, beginning 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, for Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Brian No, Rich Ohnberger, and betting analyst Jared Smith will have you covered three hours before kickoffs every Saturday morning. Listen to Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, right here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out, obviously, with the fellas, Shea, Figgy, uh, Mighty Mark. We're all hanging out trying to break this down and gentlemen i think there's a couple of lessons uh, yesterday we can take away from reporting number one we live in a world where i think slowing down for journalists is important and frankly we were more worried about being first than we are about being right especially on a day like yesterday and i've seen insiders firsthand uh, that have been fighting for scoops so i understand wanting to be first with the story but I also don't because where Shohei ends up has been a very big secret. I've even talked to people around Nashville that were there around the winter baseball meetings. Everyone's tight-lipped about this. That seems to be the way his camp wants it, so I wouldn't trust anything. But we should all slow down. The other part of this conversation, though, is it's going to be a record-setting contract. A North American record-setting contract is the expectation for somebody that is coming off an injury that is at least significant that has never really been on a team that's had this opportunity to win dynamically with him. I guess I'm just sitting here, Figgy. I'm looking around. I'm saying, is all of this worth it? Because if you if you talk about record-setting contract, when you talk about record-setting contract, you are not just talking about 
hey, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the face of my team. When you are talking about record-setting contracts, you are talking about being the face of a sport. That's what Patrick Mahomes is. He's the record-setting contract in the NFL. Like you, 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 Alex Ovechkin for years was you know, one of the faces of the NHL. Like You have to be a guy or be on that team that makes all of it worth it. I look at Shohei and I say, yes, I understand that this is the greatest baseball player in the world and you're going to get wildly paid because of it. I'm good with all of that. But is Shohei going to turn around and suddenly be in every TV commercial representing baseball? Is it going to be this this phenomenon that leads to 10 World Series? Like, I understand the phenomenon of the moment, but long-term, Figgy, I got to ask, like, when we're starting to talk about record-setting contracts, okay, like, I get it, but is it really worth it? Yeah, and look, We've seen this in Major League Baseball before where the quote-unquote best player in baseball gets a ginormous deal and it doesn't necessarily equate itself to winning. We saw, If you want to go back to Alex Rodriguez's then-groundbreaking $252 million contract with the Texas Rangers, well, after about five years, Texas traded him to the Yankees and it took him a couple of years to actually win a World Series there. Mike Trout. Michelle Otani's teammate the last few years consists his best player in baseball for about six, seven years, but has the, I mean, basically the temperament and the personality of a graham cracker. Like he's just boring as hell and is not easily marketable. Didn't want to be marketable. Michelle Otani, obviously a dynamic player, but there's a language barrier there. And that's always going to be difficult when trying to market to an, to an American fan base. Now, the one reason I would say that the record contract would matter is not only because of the individual production on the field that he's going to give you, you know, from a hitting standpoint and the pitching standpoint at this point in time after after a second Tommy John is almost going to be accepted as a bonus. But it's the endorsements. It's the international uh, uh, flavor that you're going to get. All of that. I mean, when they when they put these free agency pitches out to players like Shohei Otani, who are transcendent talents, but also global marketing uh, machines. They're saying, this is how much money you're going to make for us, too, and we can make for you on endorsements. I saw a story that the Angels, uh, in their in-stadium endorsements alone last season, made $14 million just off of in-stadium, off of Shohei Otani, off of the Japanese advertising market. Now, you extrapolate that out to Toronto, where basically the entire country will be you know, encapsulated with Shohei Otani because it's the only Major League Baseball team there. The Dodgers are in Los Angeles, but they're on steroids compared to the Angels, which are in Anaheim, is completely different. So it has to go beyond the production on the field. These franchises are looking at it from a business standpoint. We're going to pay this guy $600 million. This guy might actually end up netting us $850 million to a $1 billion when it's all said and done based off of the endorsements. And that's why it's such a big deal and why they say it's worth it. Okay, I'm going to counter why I don't think any of it's worth it. But first, Figgy, why don't you hit us with some trending? Get everybody caught up. All right, well, uh, we'll start with some uh, inglorious losing streaks that were extended in the NBA on Friday night. Chicago beating San Antonio 121-112, to 16 consecutive losses there for San Antonio, despite 20 points and 21 rebounds from Victor Wimbanyama. Orlando defeated Detroit 123-91, to which is the Pistons' 19th loss in a row. Three-game winning streak for the Clippers, however. They beat da- uh, Utah, excuse me. 117 to 103. Kings over the Suns, who are without Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. 38 points for Shea Gildas Alexander in a 138 to 136 Thunder victory over Golden State. Rockets handing Denver their third straight loss, 114 to 106, the final there. You had victories for the Cavaliers, Celtics, and Minnesota. In the NFL, Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars, questionable and likely a game time decision for Sunday's matchup against Cleveland as he continues to nurse that ankle injury he suffered on Monday night. Saints quarterback Derek Carr, clear concussion 
protocol, but still questionable for their matchup against Carolina with rib and shoulder injuries. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith will be a game-time decision for their matchup against San Francisco after he suffered a growing injury in practice on Thursday. Back to the fellas. All right, so I, I love your point uh, as we break everything down, fellas, on Fox Sports Radio about the monetization of Shohei Otani. And by the way, good on me for using a big word this early in the morning. I feel good about that. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out uh, with Figgy, Shea, Mighty Mark. Uh, we are the fellas on Fox Sports Radio talking a little bit about Shohei. We'll get back to football in a second. Uh, but here's where I think things are interesting because you make two two really good points when it comes to Toronto and particularly being Canada's team. I'll go back to my buddy J.P. Aaron Sibby. I've known J.P. for years, played for the Blue Jays, and one of the things that, that J.P. talked about at the time that was so special and is still special to him is that he goes up and goes on these Canadian tours all across the whole country. Like, Toronto is truly a national baseball team for, for Canada. So I think that's an incredible point, and the money that they could make makes it totally worth it. This isn't a question of if it's worth it for the franchise. The franchise will get their investment back, I think, probably on Shohei because he is such a phenomenon. This is really, to me, a question of why are fans so passionate about this? Because I'm going to continue to oversimplify here, and I know everybody's going to say, well, it's the Angels, the Angels, the Angels. Fine. But we look back at at what we saw at the Angels. We saw individual greatness that never led to a World Series, right? With not just Shohei, uh, but also with, they have multiple players on that roster that were epic, right? You look at, it wasn't that long ago that the Padres were assembled in a way where they were spending money and that was going to mean that they were going to win the World Series. Like, we do this all the time. I just, I don't understand why people are so worked up to have Shohei on. Like, I understand you want the best players. I get that we want that. And I love that we want our favorite teams to be big news stories. You know, but at some point you got to look at it and say, it, it does, adding Shohei, uh, this is where baseball is different than most sports. Does adding Shohei immediately make the Blue Jays the World Series favorite? Because you got to look across the board when you start talking about, again, highest contracts. Like, I'll argue the NBA is a little bit of an outlier. Like, Jalen Brown's the highest paid player in the NBA, right place, right time, right team. The Celtics were sort of trapped in. At least the Celtics can look at it. But that's a question I, I or a contract I question too. You know, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, you put Patrick Mahomes on any NFL team, they're going to be a Super Bowl favorite. Uh, you know, at, at the time with the Vetchkin, you put a Vetchkin on any NHL team, they were going to be a Stanley Cup favorite. Like, it, it, it just works that way. You put Shohei on any team in Major League Baseball, it's going to be a wild, interesting, fun year where there will be highlights to watch throughout the course of the summer. But it don't mean a damn thing when it comes to actually lifting the trophy at the end of the year, Figgy. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, I don't know if it's a problem, it's just the natural reality of Major League Baseball. Like, what it is, it's a individual sp- uh, game wrapped up within the team sport. It's pitcher versus hitter. And I don't care how great of a hitter Shohei Otani is, he can go 5-5 five for five and the team can still lose 10 to 8. You know, that's just the natural fact that you can't run away from. And you look at the last few World Series champions and talking about these giant inflated contracts. You know, Corey Seager obviously got assigned a big deal with the Texas Rangers, but he missed what? 35% of this past season, too. Injury issues. They just happened to get hot at the right time. You know, Bryce Harper signed a big deal with the Philadelphia Phillies a couple of years ago and has been a clutch performer in the postseason for them. But generally speaking, I'd say over the course of recent history, at the very least, the highest paid baseball player, the consensus best baseball player in, on the planet, has not necessarily played for the best team or even played for a team that's contended for a championship. Now, there could be many reasons for that. But look, uh, to your point, and I do think it's a legitimate issue, if you're talking about 
there's not a salary cap in baseball, but there is a very punitive luxury tax. And if you're signing a guy who's taking up, you know, 38% of your luxury tax or your salary cap situation, it's going to be difficult to field a team that can actually be compete for a World Series championship. So, like, I certainly understand it. Uh, but I and I, cer- I also wonder, look, a team, if you're, if you're a team like the Dodgers, which I use that as an example, and I cover them on a day-to-day basis, so I have more knowledge on the inner workings of that organization more than any, they are confident in their farm system, their draft and development, their ability to find and, uh, and cultivate guys and be able to get reclamation projects. We can sign a couple of stars and then have the base of our roster be filled out with a bunch of minimum salary or low-salary guys that can basically that we can win with and just fortify the roster with big name players like Otani and be able to win. So that's kind of the thought on their philosophy. Now Toronto has some good young guys that they've cultivated. You know, your Vlad Juniors and, and Biggios of the world, but they've also gone out and spent on guys like George Springer in the past. So this would be a big splash for them as well. Would it make them a World Series contender? No, because they still have issues on their pitching staff. Uh, but so, so your argument is is very valid. Make signing a big splash free agent like Shohei Otani is not going to cure all the ills uh, for the for a major league baseball franchise like signing a LeBron James or a Patrick Mahomes would in the NFL or the NBA. You are right on that. I I will continue to say till I'm blue in the face that at its core, free agency in almost every sport is a little like gastric bypass. There are some people that absolutely need it, and it can change their life, and it can be incredible. For somebody that gets it simply as a luxury because they don't want to put in the work to lose the weight, and I have several friends that have gone through this four or five years later, they're right back where they started, right? Because if you are looking at it as as a, I'm just going to go out and do this, and it's going to be my fix, but you don't start fixing everything else, you haven't really fixed anything. So my fear for all of this, and I don't care whether we're talking about NFL free agency, Major League Baseball free agency, when I see wild numbers go out for somebody, the first thing I ask when I see those epic, huge numbers is, A, is that going to make you a Super Bowl or a World Series contender right now? Because if the answer is no, then it's not worth it. And B, are you still going to be capable of or are you already doing the things that you can continue to do to be a long-term successful franchise? And if the answer to that is no, then it's also not worth it. You can bring in Aaron Rodgers all day, but you are at some point you are rolling the dice that that quick fix is going to get you the Super Bowl that you need right now. And if it doesn't and your franchise is doomed for the future, it wasn't worth it. Same with Shohei. As much as we want to obsess over what this player is and what he means to Major League Baseball, I would like to obsess over the result instead of simply obsess over adding another name. We'll keep breaking down the Shohei news, though. I mean, I'm not not stupid here. If, If anything breaks, you'll hear about it right away. We'll cut into everything will get you the best live coverage in the entire world as we break it all down but com- but uh, coming up next on Fox Sports Saturday live from the tireactstudios.com studios sorry got a little confused there millions of dollars are on the line millions of dollars tonight in one NBA game we'll tell you about it and why it's an amazing thing for the league next on the fellas on Fox Sports Radio Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Look, I'm not even going to pretend that I'm mad about A, the Christmas music, or B, the well-pulled uh, Bam Perry Christmas music. I remember being in the studio playing that. Um, fun fact, I also remember, uh, like, a lot of people don't realize it, but the Bam Perry was on the uh, Justin Bieber Christmas record out there, too. So, uh, hmm. cool Christmas experiences. It is never too early for Christmas music, by the way. You can just miss me with that argument. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, bring the joy. Bring the Christmas joy. Bring all of the joy and bring it to you. It's the fellas, and you're sitting here saying, why the hell are we talking about Christmas music? Relax, all right? Uh, welcome back in. We're the fellas live from the TireRack.com studios. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Shay, hanging out with Figgy, hanging out with Mighty Mark. We haven't heard from Mighty Mark today. Uh, Mighty Mark, how are we feeling? Uh, everything good? Like uh, We're going to get to the in-season tournament in a second, but got to check in on my boy, because I feel like right now we're all sitting at the sports bar. You've got a, like a little stool that's over on the side. Nobody's talked to you yet. I I'm worried about you, so I'm, I'm I'm rolling the shot down to you, and I'm making sure my boy's good. I'm always good at observation. I just kind of watch, see what's going on, make sure nobody spills their napkin, just listen to the conversation. You know, <laughs> I just jump in when it's absolutely not needed. I, you know what I love about this? Like this feels. <laughs> I just jump like... in. Just, I just wait and wait till absolutely not needed that I say something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining we're all sitting at like, you know, like we're on the corner of the bar because like uh, I'm not a savage. We you, you always sit on the corner when you got a group. So you still have a chance of group conversation. Mighty Mark says nothing. And then at the end of the night, when we're about to leave, he just leans over to somebody. He like, leans over to Shay and he's like, hey, Shay, she's been checking you out. And he's figured it out. And Shay had no idea. Like that. That's where my, Mighty Mark is like just out observing everything, sitting a little hunched over in the chair, just slowly <laughs> like we, we sent him the shot, but he's not taking the shot. He's slowly sipping on it. That's Shay. That feels like the vibe. Here. Observation, looking around, yeah. look, see who's looking at who. It's like, see, see who's looking at Shay. You know, just, you know, just checking people out, just keeping it calm. Number one wingman. 
No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Come on. There's, there's no now. Figgy seems like he's the one that's going up to everybody for like you know Figgy. If if in this imaginary situation we were all single in a bar, like Figgy is the one that's walking up and saying, "Hey, what's that?" Like Figgy's got that personality, right? Like I just I feel like. That's 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 his role. Um, we've He's got personable. Two. He's real personable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially give me a pop or two, even if I don't. Like, I mean, if especially if it, if Shay's like, hey, you know what? Uh, this one over here is like, looks like you know what? Let me go warm it up for you. <laughs> let me go. Let me go see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I, got no I just love the that. idea, like Figgy walking up and be like, "Hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be your opening act, yeah. and uh, I'm just here to." <laughs> I'm, by the way, I'm 23 years old, <laughs> and, and the girls that I'd be probably going after probably 23. So I got Mighty Mark and K Fig helping me out. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. You know, heard, heard Shay. Okay, Shay reminding us, by the way, also that he's a child. That's right. what we've really learned. Okay, so we have several different perspectives here, and I think that's important because there's something going on right now in the NBA that I want perspective on. It's the in-season tournament, and trust me, if you're confused, that's okay. Everybody's confused. Uh, you know, I, I, the other uh, spot that I create content for is Yahoo Sports, and we we've had so many meetings about the in-season tournament that I actually had to do like an explainer at the end of the the the, the elimination round. We had to sit there and explain all of the tie-breaking scenarios as everybody got there. And a lot of people don't realize tonight's game is actually truly significant. The winner of the in-season tournament walks with five hundred thousand dollars per person and per coach. So every single person on the sideline of a game tonight will get half a million dollars. The question is, has this raised some level of interest? Because I'm a little torn on this. I feel like when I talk to my NBA head friends and we all sit there and talk about the league right now, it is interesting how few have a real understanding of even what this is, why it's going on, why is it in Vegas. Like I'm sitting here looking around and saying whatever their intent was 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 to create some sort of great basketball moment. They've created conversation, Figgy. I just don't know that they've created like this great basketball moment we're flocking to. What do you think? Well, I think what they were trying to create is any modicum of interest in NBA regular season basketball before Christmas. And that's not really – it's a very difficult task considering what it was competing against with college football and the NFL, obviously. Uh, so I do think from that standpoint, they've succeeded. The fact that we're even talking about the NBA at this point in time. I saw a stat earlier this week that the ratings for uh, the ESPN primetime game uh, on Tuesday night, I believe it was, the ratings were higher by 89% compared to last year because it was a tournament game There was an because there was added interest for it. Now, whether that was not whether that was just people who were just intrigued by I don't know what this is, there's a novelty to it, let me check it out, fans of those individual teams or if they were legitimately into it the NBA's goal was simply to have some level of interest, some level of increased interest in early season basketball than there typically would be and I would say from that standpoint, it has succeeded It's interesting too because it's not by accident that ABC will be playing the final tonight Pacers, Lakers tonight, 8.30pm Eastern uh, I think part of the reason that plays into tonight is because for the last however many months, 8 p.m. on a Saturday night has been about some level of football, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just putting a sport right there, making sure you watch it. And, you know, whether you're a conspiracy theorist and you believe that it's by accident or whether it just happens to be really good luck, having a brand like the Lakers in it is not a bad thing to do. Having somebody like Halliburton, who's played so well this year uh, for the Pacers in it, is not, uh, is not a bad thing either. So it's an intriguing, you know, Pacers, Lakers, you're right. Pacers Lakers on a Saturday night before December would not usually matter to anybody. So I get that. I just think that at some point when you do special events, it needs to either 
captivate your diehards in a way that they can't get enough of it, or it needs to bring in the casuals. I don't know that this really did either at a huge rate. I don't know the answer. I don't know a solution to it. Uh, I just I look at it and say, I, I don't know if it is in part because it's in Vegas. I don't know because that feels a little stale, like the Lakers advancing might help that. But like, I, I don't know. I, I, Shay, I look at it and say, this has been okay. I don't know that I have a better solution. I won't say that it's necessarily an epic fail, but it's only felt okay to me. Where are you on the committee? I think it's a success, a big time success. I mean, viewership is up 23 I'm pretty sure it's 23%, 23% in the NBA. And then as well as just the attendance in November, like for the actual games is at an all-time high. It's a record that's never been broken before. So, it's just I I think they're more thinking about how we can get people to keep viewing, how we can get more people to come in the month of November, in the month of December, which They've done it. They have 100% do it. And, like, people are trying to compare it to the NFL. Like, oh, the NFL is bringing in 16 mil. Or, like, college basketball is bringing in a million. And only, like, this big draw is bringing in a million more. But we can't look at that. We can just look at the progress they're making. And in regards to the progress, it's a huge success. Like, if you're going up more than 25% in viewership, I'm very happy with that. Adam Silver is very happy with that. And the people bringing in the bills are very happy with that. So, in that regard, I think it's, it's a great thing. But... It, again, yes, there there is that kind of staleness to it. Like honestly, the only thing I don't like about the in season tournament are those those hardwood floors. Oh god, <laughs> not a fan of that at all. But other but than it does that, at least identify that hey, you're watching an in season tournament. I like you're right. I think the 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 floor designs have been trash. But it does at least when you're flipping through, you're like oh, it's in you know it's something new. Tournament. Yeah, and 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 a hundred percent, it's a breath of fresh air almost. But it's. It's like a breath of fresh air when you're at like a trash compactor, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like yeah, you're breathing, but like still, like it's not the greatest thing in the world. But no, I mean, I'm a Laker fan, so if I just get to see the Lakers and LeBron, my goat do more, like why not? Like I'm happy. I get to go to the bars with my friends, have a good time, and it's almost like a playoff atmosphere. So I love it as a fan too. And then seeing Tyrese do what he can what he's doing, it's it's just great. And I I Again, an early MVP candidate, 100%, especially if he wins. Like, I, I don't know how they'll take it away from him, and I don't know what other people can do to kind of like, oh, like he won the uh, he won the ring basically, not by himself, but well, a big fan of it. And I know we got to run here, but also just looking at you, speaking of Tyrese Halliburton, that game against Boston, if you had a chance to watch that quarterfinal the other night, I mean, Indiana, that might as well have been game seven of the NBA finals because the crowd was into it, the players were into it, and I think that's the sort of result that the NBA was looking for, where that for, for local fans, some modicum of national fans to be into it more than you would be for a late November, early December game. So from that standpoint, I agree with Shay that it's a success. Yeah, you're right, because realistically, if it wasn't for the tournament, would we even be talking about the NBA? We're also talking about legendary coaches in the NFL that may be looking for new teams. We'll break it down next on The Fellas. Not all coaching conversations are created equal. And when we start talking about the NFL, how unpredictable it is this year, and how good or bad some of these teams are, there are legendary coaches that are suddenly on the hot seat. And while I understand that conversation around somebody like Bill Belichick with the way that the, the Patriots season has gone, while I will give you that part of the conversation, there's another legendary coach that suddenly is being written about as being on the hot seat, and it's absolutely absurd. If there is any chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers would possibly move on from Mike Tomlin it would be one of the dumbest things we've seen in years in all of sports. 
It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out. You know the crew at this point. We got Mighty Mark. We got Shay. We got Figgy. Uh, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's a way coaching carousels should run. And I think sometimes you look at legendary names and you look at expectations and you ask, are expectations being met? Then you have to ask where those expectations come from. I found myself stunned this week reading an article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about how national media has lost perspective by not understanding that Mike Tomlin should be on the hot seat in Pittsburgh. Now, part of the concept here was it's uh, it's this narrative that Steelers fans uh, should be appreciative and they've been spoiled and that's not really watching what Tomlin has done. That's absolutely wrong because Steelers fans have been spoiled because continuity at the coaching spot is difficult to find because when you go through the bad, you understand what the good looks like. That's just real. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, but let's be honest Getting the right coach is maybe the luckiest thing you have to accomplish in all of sports. Did the Texans get it right when they got D'Amico? Yeah. They also got lucky. The same organization that was sitting here with no head coach, with a concept a year ago today, the concept was nobody wanted the Texans job, particularly no minority candidate would want it, but D'Amico did. Now he's got ties to the organizations. There's a million reasons why it it happened. There's a million reasons why it's working. But the bigger point is it took luck. I always say better to be lucky than good. And that's okay. But you got to understand, Mike McDaniel is a good head coach for the Dolphins. Maybe great. But also we got to look at Mike McDaniel and say, boy, they got it wrong a few times before that, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were convinced Robert Sala was going to be the next great coach. It wasn't that long ago that Brian Dable was going to be the next great coach. Sean McDermott suddenly on the hot seat for a lot of reasons uh, other than just football. You start to look at the coaching carousel, and you have to appreciate the fact that, man, it is hard to find the right one. So now how do you judge them? How do you judge a coach other than just by win-loss? That's a tough question. But the one thing you know, the one thing we have learned, the one thing we can be absolutely certain of is if you want to win in the modern NFL, you have to have a coach-quarterback combo you can trust, you can bank on. you got to have your Andy Reid and your Patrick Mahomes. Right? You look across the board, that's what you got to have. The Bills now, they, they're going to believe in Josh Allen They may not believe in Sean McDermott because it's the two of those together. It's the tag team. It's the 80s tag team. All right? You got to have Macho Man and you got to have Hulk Hogan. They got to be together. If you start looking across, you can say, hey, pretty easy to see what the Steelers don't have, cough Kenny Pickett, don't have cough Mitchell Trubisky, and I have a quarterback. First time I ever met Herm Edwards years ago. I was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry down in Nashville, Tennessee. He was speaking to a convention, and at the time, the band I was in was playing for that convention, right? So we were sitting backstage. I'd never met him before, and I'm sitting there talking to him about my beloved Raiders. And I said, what fixes my beloved Raiders? And Herm didn't know him at all at the time. Herm looked over and laughed, and he said, got to have a quarterback, man. I tell you, you can be a great coach, but you're not a great coach until you have a quarterback. The Steelers don't have a quarterback. 
So what's the difference between the Steelers and the Patriots? Well, the Patriots absolutely suck. That's the difference. The Steelers have been competitive. The Steelers don't have a quarterback, but they've still put the rest of the roster in place. You can't ask yourself, if there was a big split right now, if there's a big split in Pittsburgh and they turned around and they fired Mike Tomlin, you don't think that every single team with the job opening wouldn't flock to his door? That's an indication. Because I don't think everybody's flocking to Bill's door anymore. You got to ask some serious questions about Belichick, the power he would want, the roster construction he would force. You got to ask all these questions. They're fair questions to ask about Bill. But when you start talking about Tomlin, let's be real. How many people have left Pittsburgh? Players have left Pittsburgh to go out to be just abject disasters in the NFL, whether it's as personalities or whether it's as players. And then we say, man, how did Tomlin keep that in check? Woo. You start talking about what the Steelers have done with Mike Tomlin. Man, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh fans. If you don't want Mike Tomlin, what you're really asking for is a revolving door. A revolving door that could get you the next Brian Flores. It could get you that, like, pick your pick your terrible coaches. I, again, as a Raiders fan, my God, you want Josh McDaniel? You want to do a flip right now? Uh, go, go ahead. Perfect. Take Josh McDaniels. You doing that? No. Every single year, fan bases are convinced that the fix is there and it's a legendary coach. Right? They're going to hire their next legendary coach. I'll tell you right now, Steelers fans, you get rid of Tomlin, he comes over, coaches the Raiders, I'll throw a damn parade. I'll throw a Tomlin parade for him walking in the door because that's the sort of coach every other team would want. So maybe it's time you appreciate him. So, fellas, I'm Fox Sports Radio. Figgy, get in here, man. Mike, t- tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me I'm wrong. I'm just saying that Tomlin's greatness is in the ability to just right the ship no matter what happens, to be consistent. The standard is the standards, he always says, to find a way to win, and he's doing it with terrible quarterback situations. By the way, we're talking about the Steelers like they're a disaster. They're still in playoff contention, even though their quarterback position is a joke. To me, Tomlin would be coveted. Someone will pounce on him him immediately. Uh, I can't disagree with you for all the reasons that you laid out. And, you know, the issue that you run into when there's a coach who's been around as long as he has and hasn't won at, say, the rate of, say, someone like Bill Belichick. He only has what? Only has what? Made it to a couple of Super Bowls. uh, Won one of them, I believe. Yeah, he won one early in his tenure there in Pittsburgh. But to your point. The fact that the roster turnover, which, by the way, I don't believe he has a heavy hand in personnel decisions. He never really has. He does pick his own coaching staff. And I think over the course of how long has he been there, 16 years, whatever it's been, I think you can have a mulligan at coordinator with someone like Matt Canada. That Those sort of things can happen. To your point, not having a stable quarterback situation since Big Ben was gone, uh, not having the best offensive line, which, again, I don't think is necessarily his fault, getting the most that he possibly can out of that defense on a year-in, year-out basis, even when they've had injury issues. Ryan Shazier having to retire early on, who was one of the best defensive players in the entire league. This guy's been through a lot of stuff and still has you staying afloat every single solitary year and hasn't had a losing season. You know, anytime situations like this pop up, Fitz, I always go back to it's, it's an old example, but I think it rings true. I think of Frank Solich at Nebraska. 
and people towards the end of his tenure were saying, I'm tired of winning nine, you know, eight or nine games and not competing on a national level anymore. We got to get this guy out of here and modernize. So they fire Frank Solage, they bring in Bill Callahan, and Nebraska, outside of a little blip on the radar with Bo Pelini, has been searching for that ever since. And meanwhile, you know, if Frank Solage went to Ohio and won a couple of conference championships and had really good success at a lower level, albeit, but still prove that he can still coach. Be careful what you wish for, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. To your point, the grass is not always greener with a hot, sexy new name because for every bright, young offensive line like a Sean McVay you know, or a Mike McDaniel like you bring up, you mentioned there's a bunch of other duds. And the chances are you're going to find a dud before you actually hit a home run. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. And it's funny, I'm looking back at this. This was one of a few articles that was written about this. And it talks about the fact that Tomlin has only won playoff games in four of his previous 16 seasons with the team as he goes as he's in his 17th season now as part of this. And, and it's the maddening thing to me. And this is this is my fault. This is your fault. This is our fault on the way we cover things. We just want to look at it and say, what's a playoff record? Well, is there not a story behind that? Like, mm-hmm. is there not context allowed to that? Like, the conversation of what's his record in the playoff? Okay, well, we'd have to go back and look and see who he lost to, when he lost to him, and how he lost to him. Like, there, there's so many situations that go around this, this arbitrary measure. And I, I've heard people this week say, well, you know, if Mike McCarthy doesn't win a playoff game for the Cowboys, he's going to get fired. And it's like based on what? Like, what is that playoff game? How does that playoff game go down? Sure, if he loses 70 to nothing to a bad team in the playoffs, he might get himself fired. If he goes into playoff double overtime and loses on a 63-yard field goal to San Francisco, I don't necessarily think that's a fireable offense. Like, everybody wants to just put this this blanket statement around playoff success or failure. A, like getting to the playoffs is no big deal. Like, B, like you're just supposed to win through the playoffs no matter what happens, especially when you've grown up, as Tomlin did, in an era that included Belichick and Brady. Like, this is just such an arbitrary measure to me. It's the fellas, by the way. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV discount, uh, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Figgy, Shay, Mighty Mark. We are the fellas. And Shay, I, I, I look at all this like, look, if you're telling me right now I can have any coach, any coach, right, to come in and take over Again, for my beloved Raiders, who have seen whatever the number is, 20 coaches in the last 12 years. Think about this. If I could, if I could turn around and nail uh, Mike Tomlin as a hire for my favorite team, how would I not want this? Right? Like, Shay, you're a Browns fan. You, you face Mike Tomlin. You cannot tell me that he isn't epic. Yeah, I'm, I have a lot of hate for the guy. <laughs> um, no, he's a great coach, honestly. But to, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I mean, I definitely agree with you guys, but I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Mike Tomlin took over for a pretty elite coach who just stepped away. So when he took over, he already had Ben Roethlisberger. He had an elite team. So 17 years in the league, I think for like 14 years of those, he had a big Ben and he had a QB. So this is kind of like the first couple of years where we're seeing him get some adversity. And I I don't know. It's, it seems as if almost, yeah, like it's I, I'm not going to compare him to Belichick, because Belichick drafted Tom Brady and like he was able to kind of create that team. But it kind of is like a Belichick situation. Tom Brady leaves, Big Ben leaves, and he's kind of sitting there not the same. So you're definitely right. You need the QB and you need the coach. But I think you need the QB more than you need the coach, honestly, especially in this scenario where 
again, he 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 basically inherited a team that won a Super Bowl, I think, two years before that. And it was, I mean, out of luck. He just got in a very good position. And I, I again, like, I'm not going to say it's all luck. Like, he's a great coach, and he knew what he was doing. He won a couple Super Bowls, and, like, he knew what he was doing with Big Ben. But then again, he had Big Ben. He had all these outlets. He had all these um, uh, all these assets that he can use, and it's it's great for him. But at the same time, he did it for so long that, yeah, he's great. He has to be great, and he is one of the best. And I'm, anyone would be dumb to not take him. But again, just playing the devil's advocate, he did inherit one of the greater, I mean, one of the best Steeler teams, I think, ever. I mean, not ever, but... You know, yeah, and I don't disagree with some of that, but they're also seven and six right now and would make the playoffs today with the terrible quarterback situation. And this is the other challenge that they've had. And fair, in fairness, this is a challenge also faced by the Patriots at times. Uh, it's not like they've ever been picking high enough to get that replacement quarterback. I, I think the concept of replacing a legend at quarterback is already daunting. And so what happens is, you're right, I do think that you know we've learned a little bit more about who was responsible for the success. Brady Belichick, not responsible, but you know there is a level of we saw Brady go somewhere else and win. We haven't seen Belichick been able to be able to replicate that. I think for me, the bad of the Steelers, like we always talk about, again, draft prospects, Figgy, we talk about the ceiling and the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Like the floor on a Tomlin and I, you know, so, so often it's like, well, it's about the playoffs, it's about the playoffs. And sometimes it's just about getting the dance, you got a chance. And Tomlin puts you in that chance. You always feel like you got a chance with him on your sideline. You do. I, I will say, and to play even more of a devil's advocate, if you look at some of the playoff losses, it's they're tough to swallow. You go back to that divisional playoff game against Jacksonville, 45-42, to Blake Bortles. Now, granted, that was the same Jacksonville team that had a lead against New England in the AFC Championship game that they ended up blowing. But that's a tough one to swallow. Baker Mayfield beat you in the postseason with the Cleveland Browns, 48-37. to you know, So in the Denver Broncos, lest we forget the Tim Tebow, prayer pass to the late Demar- to, to Demarius Thomas like you know that was a tough one to swallow so there have been some tough playoff losses in his tenure where I can certainly understand if you're a proud franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers where at a certain point you do tell yourself just being in the hunt and making it to the playoffs isn't enough we got to start making some headway we got to get to the AFC championship game a couple of times we got to make it to more than two Super Bowls in an 18-year period though most franchises would kill for that you know what I'm saying? So to a certain degree, I understand what they're saying. I don't I don't disagree with you, Fitz. If he were me, I would still hold on to him and just try to fortify the roster and the organization around him better. But I do understand the frustration from the fan standpoint saying we're knocking on the door. We make the playoffs every year, and it's the same story. We're the 90s Atlanta Braves. Uh, you're right, and I, I understand the logic on it. I just go back to... Again, this is just, and you, you, you can appreciate this as much as anybody. When, when did Tomlin? Tomlin got his job in. Do we, do we remember what year off the top of our head? His first season was oh seven. Oh, it was oh seven. Okay. Okay. So since oh seven, I've seen in oh seven it was Lane Kiffin followed by Tom Cable followed by Hugh Jackson followed by Dennis Allen followed by ten, Tony Sperano for a little bit, followed by Jack Del Rio, followed by John Gruden, followed by Rich Passaccia, followed by Josh McDaniels, followed by Antonio Pierce. That's just in the amount of time that Mike Tomlin, who is currently 51 years old, by the way, still, young. still has 15, 20 years, if you want, standing on the sideline. There's no doubt. I've seen that many 
coaches. And that, because of the year, was 2007. You give me one more year, and I add Art Shell at 2-14. and 14, Right? So when you start to think about that level of revolving door, this is why I'm risk-averse. Like, uh, for me, if I got a coach in there that I feel like more often than not can at least keep me in proximity, that's what I think we pay for now. I don't think you pay for greatness when you're talking about uh, coaches. I think you pay for proximity. Can this person put me in the same penthouse as greatness? And if they can then I got a chance. That, that, that's where my mind goes with it. Like, I just want to have a chance. I certainly agree with that. I, I completely understand. And I know it's a different era, but, like, how many years did Tom Landry have the Cowboy job before they actually turned it around? Like, 12? Where <laughs> they were, like, a terrible franchise? Nobody has that sort of patience these days. They were bad. The Steelers are actually a, a franchise that competes on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, but And, look, I, like I said, I understand the frustration if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But like we mentioned to open the segment, the grass is not greener on the other side. You know, you look, you might hit on a great young coordinator who can turn things around. But you might also get yourself a dud. And, I, and one argument that people will have, too, for someone, especially like Tomlin, who's been in this role for as long as he has, is that maybe his message starts to wear thin. Uh, and that's why you have the questions of effort of guys like Pickens who are not blocking on run plays and things like that. Maybe you're reading too much into it. I'm not 100% sure. But I know that's something that gets brought up fairly often when a team, the production starts to quote-unquote slip. And again, they'd be in the playoffs today if, the, if everything you know ended right now. But if they're not competing at a high enough championship level, people will say, like, well, maybe the message is starting to wear thin. And there might be something to that. I'm not sure. I can't speak to it. Only the players in the building can speak to that. The Fellows are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I mentioned Mike McCarthy in this whole conversation, and there is one glaring reason that everybody is wrong about what they're saying when it comes to Mike McCarthy's future. I'm going to tell you what it is next. We'll keep breaking it down. The fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. It's the fellas live from the TireRack.com studios. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out. Figgy, Shay, Mighty Mark, cousin, a much-needed and deserved day off. But the fellows continue on. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive making bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount. Combine your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. In a minute, we'll get to uh, a bold statement about college football today. But I have to, as we were talking about coaches, make a point about Mike McCarthy. Because we're talking about legendary coaches and where they're going to go. I understand that Mike McCarthy is not in that category. But what I don't understand is the way we talk about Jerry Jones. Like Everybody seems convinced Mike McCarthy's gone if the Cowboys don't have playoff success. What is that based on? If you look over the last several years, Mike McCarthy has been the coach since 2020, obviously. Jason Garrett, who annually was, oh, no, he's going to get fired. Well, he was there from 2010 to 2019. That's a pretty good amount of time. Wade Phillips got a couple of years before, three years, uh, three seasons before him. Like, if you want to say that Jerry Jones is a quick trigger owner when it comes to getting rid of coaches, you have to go back to the late 90s. I'm sorry, but I don't really want to be judged today by the way I acted in anything I did in my life in the late 90s. Like, I, I get that we want to make the Cowboys a discussion all the time, but every time we've had these hot takes on the Cowboys, we've been wrong. Zeke's not going to get paid. Yeah, he did. Oh, they don't love Dak. That's why the deal's not done. No, that was never why the deal wasn't done. They they wanted Dak for five years. He only wanted to sign four. Like We forget that the reason there was a delay in Dak's contract is because the Cowboys loved him so much, they wanted more years so they could spread that cap hit out. Jerry got it done. We sat here and we yelled and screamed about it, but Jerry got it done. And now we sit here and yell and scream, oh, McCarthy, oh, he's on the hot seat. Based on what? Jerry's saying that he thinks they can compete with the best in the NFC. What else do you think he's going to say? Jerry thinking that the Cowboys could be a Super Bowl team? Yes. All of these things can be true at once. Jerry Jones can feel like the Cowboys are in a window to win a championship. He can feel like they have all the necessary pieces, and he can also be smart enough with football like any of us that he sits back, watches the game in the playoffs play out, and says, man, it just wasn't our year. Like People don't like that answer, but it's just real. Sometimes... You lose a football game. And the worst thing you can do when that happens is overreact to the emotion of the moment. I understand we've spent years talking about Jerry Jones overreacting. I just think maybe we should give the Cowboys credit for who they are today instead of judging the owner and the franchise based on who they were 20 years ago. Today, coming off of Jason Garrett particularly, hard to argue that Jerry Jones hasn't been patient as an NFL owner. It's fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Figgy, hit us with some trending, my friend. 
All right, well, we'll start with the NBA from Friday night. We'll start with the Clippers picking up their third straight victory. Kawhi Kawhi Leonard scoring 41 points as L.A. defeated Utah 117-103. Luka Doncic with 32 points and 10 assists for Dallas and a 125-112 win over Portland, who's lost three straight. Houston defeated the Nuggets in Denver 114-106. 25 points there for Jalen Green. Three straight losses there for the defending champs. It was the Thunder 138 and the Warriors 136 in overtime. Minnesota, a league-best 17-4 record after their 127-103 victory over Memphis. You also had wins for the Nets, 76ers, and the Orlando Magic, who handed the Detroit Pistons their 19th consecutive loss. In NFL news, the Chiefs will be without running back Isaiah Pacheco against Buffalo on Sunday as he nurses a shoulder injury. The Vikings will get receiver Justin Jefferson back for the first time in seven games against Las Vegas after he injured his hamstring. Saints quarterback Derek Carr questionable for their matchup against Carolina this weekend with rib and shoulder injuries. He did clear concussion protocol on Friday. Back to the fellas. So fellas coming up on a Fox Sports Saturday live from the Tyrac.com studios. But uh, as we continue to break everything down, I got to be honest. Figgy, you love college football. I love college football. We can agree on that, my friend, right? Everybody's good. We all love college football. trillion percent, yes. Okay. Shay, Shay, are you going to be part of our love brigade for college football? Like, we're all in. Are you kidding me? I, I, I have to make sure it's clear here. We all love it, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I wouldn't miss it for the world. You okay. kidding me? Okay. Now, now, and, and we're all we're all good people at our core, right? Like, we're good dudes. We, we love hanging out. Everybody's like, we're, 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 we're good people, right? We're okay. just chilling we're at a bar. bar. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say something that... A lot of people aren't going to like, and uh, you know, I just want to qualify that uh, I I uh, am I, I say this with a warm, full heart. So you know, I'm not Grinchish. I just want I just before we have this open moment, I just want to make sure we're all good. We're all in a safe space. Everybody's comfortable. One hundred percent. Ice okay. and coffee, no doubt. Never felt more safe in my life. Now that I've said that, I'm just going to be honest, y'all. We don't really care about the Army Navy game. <gasps> <laughs> Everybody wow. says Go that back we to care Russia. about the Army Navy game. <laughs> like everybody comes in and they're like, "Oh, it's Army Navy. It's the weekend dedicated to Army Navy." <sighs> okay, like let's look at the numbers. You know me; I love my analytics with mm. this stuff. Last mm. year, seven million people mm-hmm. watched the Army Navy game. That's, that's, that's good. It's pretty solid. It's it's the only game on today. Like there's nothing else. Like this is it's not like oh seven million, but the game was going on and the Iron Bowl was going on and this game was going on. like like no, there's one college football game today. So, see, uh, this is this is what Army Navy is. Army Navy is PBS. Now years ago, uh, they used to do ratings uh, for by a survey. So they would mail out Nielsen, the company that tracks ratings, would uh, they would mail a survey to homes all across America, and they would have you checkmark what you listen to. And the interesting thing is, back then, this is many years ago. Back then, uh, PBS, uh, you know, smart radio, smart TV, because you did the same thing for your TV. Uh, smart, smart radio, smart TV had pretty good ratings. A lot of people listened to it. A lot of people like that smart talk, right? Then all of a sudden they came up with this new system where they could track it digitally. So people were started wearing these monitors, right? When they did that, one of the most alarming things that happened is the ratings plummeted for PBS, for 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 uh, for NPR, I should say, for NPR and radio. Ratings plummeted. Why did ratings plummet? 
The ratings didn't plummet because suddenly people stopped listening. The ratings plummeted because people weren't listening in the first place and because everybody wanted to feel smart. So they said they were listening to NPR when really they weren't. They were listening to like top 40. People were not listening at that time. They were listening to hair metal. They were not listening to smart conversation about Russian politics. Like that's not what people were listening to. But everybody wanted to feel like a smart kid. And I feel like that's what Army Navy is. Everybody talks about Army Navy and they talk about the great, but like Army and Navy both play football games every Saturday. We don't get the highlights from it. ESPN ain't going to show any of it to you. Air Force also. Like these football teams play every weekend. And then we turn it into, but the pageantry of this game is the reason that everybody flies. Seven million people. Like it's that, that's good. It's nothing to shake a stick at. But it's not the phenomenon people want it to be. If people really loved Army-Navy, the numbers would be through the roof. If people really loved Army-Navy, then they would pay attention to the football teams throughout the course of the year. And if your answer is this is disrespectful to the men and women that have fought so hard, I would say, number one, it's football. Relax. Number two, and this is an important part of it, if you're really supporting the men and women that have given so much to our country by supporting this football game, Shouldn't you be supporting it all year round? Shouldn't the conversation be less about this one game and more about what it takes to be a football player for any of our armed services teams throughout the course of the year? How much extra burden that is for all of them? Those are great conversations to have. But today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Army-Navy and we're going to talk about the fancy jerseys and we're going to talk about how cool it looks And for the portion of a couple of hours, everybody's going to feel really good about how they supported Army-Navy by talking about it, by checking the score, and maybe by putting an eyeball on it. But realistically, if it mattered the way people say it matters, man, it wouldn't matter today. It would matter every single Saturday. But it doesn't when there's a great college football matchup. It only matters when we clear everything out and we force people to pretend that they care at a level that I, to my core, do not believe they do. Figgy, have I made you uncomfortable? I just want to make sure we're still in this. <laughs> I feel like I'm, at the, I'm, I'm waxing at the bar and everybody has slowly walked away from me. They're all like, this guy over here, he's on his own. We I'm don't like, know. Ooh, I didn't come with this. Who cares? For Shay, is this your dude over here? Who, <laughs> no, I know. It, it may be uncomfortable, but it is true. And I think I had this conversation with Anthony last year when this game came up. And look, the, 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 I think another issue with this, too, is it's just not an aesthetically pleasing style of football either. Last year's game went into double overtime and like neither. I mean, it was two yards in a cloud of dust the entire yeah. game. I think it was tied at 10 or something. It's just not pretty. Neither team, if you have been keeping up a little bit you know, with how they've played this year. And the only reason I have is because I'm a college football weirdo and a nerd. Neither of them have been very impressive. Both offenses have really struggled. Uh, Army tried to play a little bit of a different sort of hybrid offense that's still run heavy, but not necessarily a triple option, and it wasn't really working out well for them this year. It's just not an aesthetically pleasing form of football. Both teams are 5-6. and six. By the way, even if either of them win, the bowls are already locked in, so you're not playing for bowl eligibility, so that doesn't necessarily matter either. So, yeah, look, for all the players, you're right. The pageantry, I know I had some friends last year, a couple of years ago, I should say, they watched the opening ceremonies. Like, oh, this is cool, and the band, and the president's there. And then as soon as they kicked it off, they turned it off and went and did something else. Mm-hmm. It's the spectacle around the game, the vibe around the game, honoring the men and women. All these players who are on the field are going to go ahead and do some things that are so much more important than playing the sport of football, and we appreciate them for that. But the game in and of itself, 
unless someone like Keenan Reynolds is playing in it like he was a few years ago and he was a spectacular player and a Heisman finalist and all that, or a team has 11 wins, which I think one of those uh, uh, teams with him on it did, it's really a dud of a game more often than not, if we're to be completely honest. I will say loudly, as I've said for years in every show that I've been a part of, I get to talk about sports every day because men and women, smarter, better, braver, all around just better human beings than I will ever be fought for my freedom. I I will die on that hill all day, every day. I have, in my life, uh, devoted everything I can to help things like Wounded Warrior. I believe that there are incredible, important conversations to have about the people who currently serve, who will serve in the future, and who have served in the past. I think honoring that is incredibly important. I just think understanding that what we're honoring today isn't as real as people want it to be is an important part of what we can all do better when it comes to honoring Army, Army, Navy, Air Force, all of these teams all the time. And my, my push to the world would be today, when you see those opening ceremonies, it's cool, watch it, but ask yourself, hey, am I really, is this, does this resonate with me week in and week out? Because Army, Navy is a great game, it's a great moment, it's great pageantry. But it's that sort of thing that everybody says they're super into. But when the proof is in the pudding, when you actually look at the numbers, and when you actually look at what people are going to pay attention to, I think we should be honest with ourselves. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Who is the MVP of the NFL? It's usually answered by now. We don't know, but we're about to figure out how to rank them and rate them next on The Fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So, fellas, on Fox Sports Radio, live from the Tyrac.com studios. God, I'm feeling all the Christmas feels, I'm not going to lie. Sitting here in my Grinch hoodie. God, ready for all of it. So, fellas, I'm Jason Fitz, Figgy, Shay, Mighty Mark Wall, hanging out with you. And here's the question. I said I started the whole show today saying I have trust issues, you know, because this year the NFL, it's hard to figure out who's great. That also plays all the way in to the conversation about players at some level and a real visceral conversation about the MVP, because if the MVP is simply a quarterback award. Fine, then let's just give it to a quarterback. If an MVP is the best player in the league, I think if there's ever been a year that maybe that conversation veers out of just a quarterback, this might be it. So I thought we could do something a little different. Rather than just sit here and yell about the MVP, fellas, we're going to unite. And we are going to do something that the sports world is very familiar with. We are now going to create the first ever fellas committee. We're a playoff committee. We're a voting committee. We all have a vote and it is our job to decide arbitrarily based on the metrics that we have, but that we can decide to use when we want, how we want, where we want. Sound familiar to anybody? We are going to decide who the top four should be in the MVP. Figgy, are you ready for this exercise? I'm ready to roll. Okay, so uh, as we all know, Shay, uh, you you have a vote in this too, and Mighty Mark also. Shay, are you ready to fight for any? We'll let Shay take the floor first here as producer extraordinaire. Is there somebody you are fighting for as your number one in the MVP race? Tyreek Hill. Okay, so you're going straight out of the gate. You are going Tyreek Hill. You are not going quarterback. Is there any argument, though, for without uh, how, how will we do it this way? Figgy, I'll present it to you. Mm-hmm. If we take Tyreek Hill away from Tua... Tua is still going to have big numbers. If we take Tua away from Tyreek Hill, is Tyreek still going to have big numbers? So are, is that an argument for you? It can be. Um, will Tua have – look, Tua could still definitely have success within that offense as a rhythm and timing offense with Mike McDaniel. But Tyreek Hill is such a game changer and so dangerous. I think I might agree with Shea. I think even if he has a, a half step down of a quarterback, he changes the field so much. Look, maybe his individual production isn't as good, but I still think whatever team he is on is still an explosive offense because of the, he's a game changer. So I, I think I still have Tyreek Hill as my number one. You also have Tyreek Hill as your number one. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just going to at least present the case for – a uh, quarterback on a very good team uh, because, in my mind, part of the MVP conversation is take him away, and who are they? Mm-hmm. If you take Lamar away from the Ravens, the Ravens are just not good. Like, are, they're not good at all, right? Like, several teams have lost their quarterback this year. It is the, the, That's true for many teams, but Lamar playing very well for the Ravens. They are a high seed in the playoffs at this point. Is there any love for Lamar in this conversation? Yes, he is number two for me. Okay, okay. Uh, Mighty Mark, are you in for Tyreek Hill at number one and Lamar at number two? You are also a voting member. Good, sir. Uh, I'll take what you guys are talking about. I'll go with those two. (laughs) 
That <laughs> attaboy. Like, so now we've learned quickly that as long as we distract Mighty Mark with, uh, like, I don't know, snacks. Mark, is there, when we come into the committee meeting, is there a preferred snack we need to bring you is the, to, to keep you engaged? Like, how do I bribe you to join my side on all voting matters? Uh, let's try Coke and popcorn. Okay, we should have been a little more Coca-Cola clear about and popcorn. Thank you, thank you very much. Okay, I mean, it could Coca-Cola be an all-nighter. Like, like, Diet Coke also. <laughs> Why not? Oh. Why not? Diet Coke over Coke Zero? Are you a Coke Zero Diet Coke guy? Uh, I'll try the Diet Coke for now. Okay, well, that's a, that's a personal taste thing that I'm not sure I really appreciate. It's Coke Zero is far better. Okay. Long story. Um, okay, okay. I, I am excited for that story, uh, but maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, what? Tyreek won Lamar two. Shay, are you in on that? Are we? I don't know on if that? I agree with Lamar at two. Okay, Lamar is in my top four. We're doing top four, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we got to get through a top four together. Yeah, as a Lamar unit, is so, in yeah. my top four. I don't know if he'd be two, but we're not doing it like a particular order here. But so he's in the committee. He's in. Okay, well, no, I mean, if we're, okay, at this point, if Tyreek is number one, and we'll, we'll agree on Tyreek is number one, would you like to propose someone as number two as part of this committee? Yeah, convince us that someone else should be two. We're ranking these as if we're the committee. I think that Brock Purdy, I mean, with the way you guys have said it, though, like, yes, you take Lamar away from the Ravens, the Ravens aren't going to win. And if you take Brock Purdy away from the 49ers, I'm sure they'll be able to win the, the games that they have. But I think what we've seen... And what we've seen this entire year, like I wasn't a Brock Purdy believer at all, but I, I honestly believe that he could be maybe my number two. But at the same time, when you that whole takeaway Lamar from the Ravens, that kind of is making me lean at two now a little bit more, just because I feel like if you took Brock Purdy away from the Niners, you could put someone else in that system. Shay, 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 Shay. Right, I'm right. making a convincing okay. argument here, Shay. Committee number, committee rule number one. Committee rule number one is whatever you say, say it with your chest. Uh, like mm-hmm. this is one of those things. Like if if we're going to be in an argument with your significant other, at least come in from the minute you're arguing, like certain that you are right. Because if you if there's any if there's any wiggle room here. I mean, right now, Figgy, right, right, I feel like if this were a reality TV show, Figgy and I are looking at each other, we're like side eye, and we're like, we got this committee. We're just going to, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you and Mighty Mark are not giving us, and Figgy, like, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I just, I feel like there wasn't a lot of conviction from Shay there, on trying to convince us of Brock Park. There definitely wasn't a lot of conviction, but I just needed some convincing, you know? I just wanted to put it out there, because this is a committee, you know? And I'm looking at you guys as team members, almost. <sighs> And I, I want some help here. You well, know? you know what? We needed some convincing, too, and I think it fell kind of short there for you, Shay, to be honest. And yeah. you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Yep. And in, in, at, in this point, I agree. Lamar Jackson. We're putting Lamar Jackson at two, and you guys have convinced me. Because just talking it through, I kind of convinced myself. <laughs> Remind me never to, to, like, I don't know if you guys have watched the the uh, whatever game show version of Squid Games that's out there. Oh, it's horrible. I know of it. I've not seen it. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, Shay, you'd be, you'd be much more like that where you're like, hey, let's all work together. I'm a little more cutthroat than this. All right. So we got Tyreek Hill. We got Lamar number two. Uh, Figgy, who you got as three? I'm going with Jalen Hurts. Despite his injury, I still think he's the engine that makes that Eagles offense go on. He's made many big plays down the stretch when necessary to help them win games. It's as flimsy of a 10-2 as you can get. I guess not as flimsy as Minnesota was last year, but you get my point. So I'm putting Jalen Hurts as my number three on the MVP list. Okay, so I went Christian McCaffrey at number three. Uh, okay. Just when you think about what he means to that offense, and we have seen Brock Purdy struggle a few times, we never see Christian McCaffrey struggle, right? Like I think, for me, Christian McCaffrey... 
uh, absolutely can't be stopped, and we take that for granted some ways. And and actually, you know what? I'm changing my vote. I'm changing my vote right now. I'm saying, why not go defensive player? Why not Miles Garrett? Why not Miles Garrett being the, the, the MVP? Like, okay. is there anybody more dominant in the game right now on the defensive side of the ball than Miles Garrett? Love it. Agree with it. Doubling down on it. Are you kidding me? That's my number four. Yeah, Mr. Brown over here. All right. I, I, I don't mean, know about that. But I'm talking. I'm, talk I'm, that. I'm getting Miles Garrett up to number three. Can I can I talk anybody into Miles Garrett at three? Three is wild. Okay. Three is. I mean, I'm a I'm a Browns fan. And three is. I mean, yeah, three's up there. You might get me at four. Three's tough though. Four. Okay. Is, okay. Yeah, because I I have like four is like a lot of people to be honest. But and no. as dominant of a defensive player as he is, and like he he might be good for what two additional wins, which is could be good enough to get you into the postseason. Uh, the quarterback means so much, and I look at a team like Philadelphia that's been on the edge so much all season long, and Jalen Hurts even being banged up, playing as well as he's played, especially when it's mattered most. Like, who's the replacement level guy you're putting in his place and getting that same production? You're just not getting it. I think if Jalen Hurts is not the starting quarterback and you just put X replacement level quarterback in his spot, it's not happening. In an unpredictable year, we rely more than ever on being able to trust a quarterback when it comes to what teams we can trust. We rely more than ever on a quarterback when we're trying to evaluate coaches. We rely more than ever on quarterbacks when it comes to just feeling like our favorite team has hope. And right now, if you look at the odds makers, they're relying more than ever on quarterbacks to win the MVP. The top six, the six best odds right now to win the MVP all belong to quarterbacks. Eight of the top ten all belong to quarterbacks. The question is, should it? In a year where the, where the NFL looks different than ever, And in a year where, frankly, the NFL seems less predictable and there are more star players making impacts in different ways every single Sunday, maybe this is the year where we should force ourselves to open the perspective out of just quarterback when it comes to the conversation of who the most important, the most valuable player is. Because you could argue any given Sunday, in a year where we see backup quarterbacks trying to thrive, in a year where we see guys we've never heard of stepping up behind center and still putting up some decent numbers, in a year where we see somebody like Josh Dobbs go off, in that sort of a year, maybe this is that moment where the door's been cracked open that we can walk through to start to credit other players at other positions that are doing generational things this season that impact the game Every single week. It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Figgy, Shea, Mighty Mark. You know the group at this point. We're all hanging out with you. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The MVP vote should be simple. You should be able to walk in and at this point, 14 weeks into the season, look at it and say, you know what? Clearly there is someone dominating the league. Now, when I say it that way, clearly there is someone dominating the league. There is. When I say clearly there is someone doing historic things this season, there is. When I say clearly someone is doing something this season, that the Hall of Fame is going to remember. It's happening. 
Well, you factor all of that in. Oh, and clearly that level of dominance is leading to wins. Yep. All of those things are happening. All of those same criteria are being met right now. But they're not being met by a quarterback. So what do you do when you are watching a dynamic, unstoppable performance? When you are looking at the actions of Tyreek Hill every single week? And you got to admit it. When you see the schedule, when you play the schedule game and your, your favorite team's taking on the Dolphins, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? God, we're not going to be able to stop Tyreek. When you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers, it's historic. He's about 500 yards away from being a 2,000-yard receiver. And he's doing it on the number one seed in the AFC. Oh, the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, they have. They may not have beaten anybody very good, but they've beaten a lot of teams. Right now, the AFC runs through Miami. And yes, two is a big part of that. Ball's in his hand every snap. That's fine. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that Tua is a part of this conversation. But when I say Dolphins, you say Tyreek. And when you start putting history and context behind the numbers we're seeing, it is clear right now who the MVP of the NFL is. It is absolutely abundantly clear. His name is Tyreek Hill. He won't win the award. But when he doesn't win the award, maybe we should hold MVP voters in the NFL to the same level of scrutiny that we're currently holding the College Football Playoff Committee and ask a real question. Is this simply a quarterback of the year award or is it an MVP? Because history will remember. Current football teams know it. Everybody knows what's coming and they can't stop it. And if that isn't the definition of an MVP, the hell is. So, fellas, let's bring Figgy, Shane, Mighty Mark. We're doing a committee. We're figuring out the, the MVP award, and we came to Tyreek Hill as our number one on this. We're doing a committee just like the College Football Playoff Committee. We're going to arbitrarily vote on things. Figgy, the more I think about it, Tyreek Hill at number one, I am fired up about. I think it makes sense. I think we've settled on Lamar as number two. But I will ask you a question as we continue down this list. Does Dak, as I just said, quarterbacks, would you put Dak or CD on this list? Ooh. Um, well, if it's between the two of them, I will put Dak on the list over CD Lamb uh, for sure. But to be honest with you, I don't know if Dak is – I do know for a fact Dak is not in my top four. I'll tell you that. Woo! Not even in your top four. Okay, no. Dak not – because currently the uh, the best odds – uh, it's a tie between Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. You know they're both mm-hmm. at plus three hundred right now to win the MVP. So, so you're just out on Dak altogether as an MVP caliber season. Uh, well, for putting him in a top four for this to this current exercise, then yes. If it was a top five, I probably would put him in. To be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, and I'm with you that I think part of the reason that you know I, I, I understand that there are multiple weapons for the Dolphins that have worked incredibly well. I uh, want to give CD his flowers. While CD has been great, I don't think CD has been at a Tyreek level. I don't think that's no. a hot take, right? And, no. Uh, I th- there has been this ascension, really, of Dak throughout the course of the last month, particularly. I've given Mike McCarthy a lot of credit on this show. Like, I think the Cowboys are an interesting case study here because if I'm looking at Tyreek and I'm looking at Lamar, 
to me, Dak and Jalen Hurts and Lamar are sort of all in the same conversation. They're incredible quarterbacks on incredible teams this year. The question is just how do they separate from from each other? I think that's a fair question to a certain degree. I think the run element for Jalen Hurts, which has not been as strong, by the way, this season, and the fact that he's improved as a passer, uh, I think kind of puts him over the top. Granted, he has phenomenal weapons. He has you know, one of the best receiver combinations uh, in the entire NFL, and he has one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. But because of the unique, uniqueness of their offense, and just anybody can't go in there and be plug-and-play and run it, and run it as efficiently as he does, even despite the fact that he's battling through some injuries, that that's why I give the leg up to Jalen Hurts. I think that the Jalen Hurts angle is the the running angle is a huge part of it. He's such a different part of their offense, right? Like there is value to that. As much as we've over over talked about brotherly shove or the tush push or whatever we want to call it. I, it is important to acknowledge that Philly is doing something and Jalen Hurts is doing something that a lot of quarterbacks simply can't execute. Like, I would mm-hmm. not trust same offensive line, same weapons, same formation. You put Brock Purdy behind that offensive line, I don't think he's going to get that same first down on that on that brotherly shove, right? Like, right. I think there is some credit to what Jalen Hurts does and in the most indefensible play in the NFL right now. That's just such a different angle and level to who he is and what he does and there's a smoothness to the way he does it the the more we talk the more i'm buying hurts is my number three i i I think you figgy you have you have smoothly laid out a case for jalen hurts and by the way best record in football like as much as we've been you know wanting on the eagles best record in football i i think you're you're you're, shay are are we talking you in at this point since you you hate all quarterbacks are we talking you (laughs) in at this point no, I mean, I'm listening. I'm listening. Because, I mean, Jalen Hurts, it, I feel like it's the same thing as Pat Mahomes, though, at this at this point almost. It's like, yeah, he's he's having a good year, but it's not the year that he's had. And I, are we going to give him an MVP on not his best year ever? I don't think so. And I, I don't think he should be number three because of that. But, like, again, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to what you guys have to say, and I, I want to see. But, again, he, I don't. he's not definitely not having the best year of his career. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, Production-wise, his numbers are, are, I think, not comparable to last season. But I think the team isn't as good as it was last season, and he has had to shoulder more of the burden uh, on top of the fact that he's not 100%. And I mean, he's he's almost, I won't say single-handedly. Nobody does anything single-handedly in a game of football, but he's won games. I mean, that Buffalo game, a couple of huge drives in the the final quarter in overtime. Uh, There's certain plays that he made. There's only a handful of other quarterbacks who would have the ability to be able to make that, and certainly replacement-level quarterbacks would not be able to do the things that he's doing. So that's why I have him there. Is being the – like because here's the hardest part of it. I I would argue that with Dak, you have to have CD as part of the conversation. With Tua, you have to have – Tyreek is part of the conversation. With Jalen Hurts, you have to have A.J. Brown as part of the conversation, sure. which also speaks to how great some of these wide receivers are playing this year. Like The the elite of the elite, and then the I guess part of the MVP conversation to me is that I believe that C.D. and A.J. Brown are playing at such a high level, and I believe Tyreek is even a step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But how do we factor in some of that when we're analyzing these guys? It's hard because... I'm not sure that the Eagles offense looks the same if you take AJ Brown away. I'm damn well sure it doesn't look the same if you take Jalen Hurts away. You know, so like that's right. the hard part of it. 
It is. It is. And I, and look, you also have to look at, you know, their overall records as well. Now look, it's I think it's a feather in the cap of Christian McCaffrey who you uh, pined for last segment because the 49ers went into Philadelphia and just, you know, smacked them up <laughs> around on their own home field. Uh but they've won some big games this year, they being the Philadelphia Eagles against, you know, some solid teams. The Cowboys are are a solid team. It has one of those MVP candidates you were just talking about. They beat albeit this is not the best Kansas City Chief team, but they're still the defending champs and they went into Air Ahead and defeated them. So, and then I mentioned the Buffalo game, a team fighting for its playoff lives and still has one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and they beat them in a nip and tuck game. So, I feel like he's responded in every single situation where he's needed to against porous teams, good teams, it hasn't mattered. And Jalen Hurts has still been the engine that makes them go. Now, I think the argument about A.J. Brown is certainly a valid one, but I do think the run element and the uniqueness of their offense and him orchestrating that offense is what gives him a leg up over someone like Dak Prescott, who's more of a traditional pocket. Passer. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with all of that. I think sometimes some of these quarterbacks are canceling each other out, which is why I'll go back to making my case for Christian McCaffrey. And mm-hmm. it's funny because I, I wanted to look this back up to make sure that I haven't lost my mind because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty not smart sometimes. Uh, so I looked it back up and, you know, let's look at last year. Last year, Christian McCaffrey rushed for 1139, 11, 1139 yards over the course of 17 games, right? So far this year, he has 1032. So you're talking about. Uh, he's just about to eclipse what he did last year. And last year, it felt like he was getting more love and respect for it. Uh, receiving last year, 741 yards. Well, this this year, already 429. So you start to look at his touchdown numbers. This year, he's a, he's accounted for 17 touchdowns overall this year, which is more than he had throughout the entirety of last season. So when you think about Christian McCaffrey, I almost think that there is a – LeBron-like moment, an MJ-like moment, a Kobe-like moment. We normalize greatness. And the first time we see it, we say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And then after a few years of seeing it, we're just like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I think that's where we are with Christian McCaffrey, and I'm not sure that's the right place to be in. I know that, you know, a few years ago, the combined yardage was absolutely through the roof. But uh, with 23, 2,400 yards combined, he's not on pace right now for that. But when you look at what he's done touchdown-wise, what he's done touch-wise, where his averages are, is there really anybody more important to the success of their team other than Tyree Kill than Christian McCaffrey? I, I think you could argue no. The, the way he's played this season feels MVP-ish to me. It feels transcendent to me. No, you're right. And the difficult part is, and we're talking about this season in particular, but if you go back to last year when San Francisco traded for him, it was almost seen as a luxury pickup. I mean, they I think there were seven and three or something like that when they traded for him. And obviously he, he is a difference maker and took their offense to a completely different level. But it's not as if this offense was not necessarily good or productive before he got there. Now, maybe they went from being good to great. And I certainly shouldn't be discounted. But I wonder if he has that working against him. It wasn't it's- like they needed him to go to another, to you know, to, to be a competitive uh, Super Bowl caliber or a playoff caliber team. Maybe they were a playoff caliber team and not a Super Bowl caliber team, and maybe that puts them over the top. I don't know. You I, tell me. But I'll, I'll go back to, and this is what's, what's difficult, because you're right. I think the luxury conversation around Christian McCaffrey is, is fair, but I also, I'll go back to Lewis Riddick uh, from ESPN, who tweeted out yesterday the 1990s 49ers offense. 
Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman with Mike Holmgren as the offensive coordinator. And he said Joe Montana won the MVP that year. I think his point, Lewis was making the point that Joe Montana won the MVP in a year where he had incredible weapons, including a Hall of Famer with him and a couple of guys that, that should be in that conversation, right? But you look at this 49ers offense and then you start thinking about, okay, George Kittle is going to be one of those guys that we talk about forever. Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of those guys that we talk about forever, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you go up and down the list. This 49ers offense is so stacked with guys that I think are going to be memorable for this generation for what they accomplished. I do think that changes the conversation around all of them, fair or not. It just feels like they're so stacked offensively that it's hard to figure out which one to give the credit to and how much of the credit goes to them and how they're defended based on the other people. Like all of these things that we think about. Yeah, and so typically when that happens, to your point into Lewis you know tweeting that out who gets the credit in situations like that generally it's the quarterback yeah usually the quarterback is the one who's throwing the passes to all those guys because what differentiates San Francisco and someone like Purdy from someone like Jalen Hurts and say AJ Brown AJ Brown is gobbling up all you know the majority of the catches CeeDee Lamb is getting most of the production from Dak Prescott Purdy's spreading it around I mean McCaffrey has over a thousand yards rushing yes but I mean Debo Samuels has this what 560 yards receiving Kittle has almost 800 yards receiving Brandon Ayuk is knocking on the door of a thousand yards so all these guys are eating and Brock Purdy is the guy who's kind of the, the maestro, the, the, who's distributing it to all of them. So in a situation where there's multiple players having excellent seasons, usually the nod goes to the quarterback. And even though Christian McCaffrey's having another spectacular all-around season, I feel like most voters would put the give the nod to Brock Purdy for that reason. I, I okay. definitely agree with K-Fig right there. I was also going to just bring that up. I was just trying to find a spot to, to get in. But no, seriously, when you... Because I feel like the only reason we're not talking about Brock Purdy is because of CMC's greatness. But you can't take away. I mean, he's accounted for like 58% of the touchdowns this season, which is way more than I thought. And as well, like you would think like in like they played a lot more running plays than passing plays. But it's only been 48, like 48% passing plays compared to 52% rushing plays. So it really isn't a huge difference in regards to CMC really putting the team on his back as well as Brock putting the team on his back. And also Purdy's first in the NFL with 9.6 yards per attempt. So it's pretty like easy, I feel like, to say Brock Purdy a little bit more than CMC. I mean, I love CMC, don't get me wrong, 17 touchdowns and then I, he had this crazy stat like even, I know we're only talking about uh, this year, but last year he had like so many touchdowns. I think it was like the most back-to-back games with a touchdown, but still like Brock Purdy, as K- K-Fake said, everyone's eating on the Niners and it's not because of CMC, it's because of Purdy. Okay, and, I'm going to ask you a very simple question though. I'll ask both of you. Okay. All right. I don't like to put injury into the ethos, so I'm not even going to say injury. I'm just going to say, let's say the 49ers were looking around before their game, any game, playoff game, we'll say, and one of the guys got the poops, and he wasn't going to be able to play because, you know, tummy issues, right? So there's nothing he could do. All right, this is an imaginary situation. If the 49ers had to choose for that one game to not have Brock Purdy or to not have Christian McCaffrey, who are they choosing? Not have Christian McCaffrey, I think, just because of the backups. So think about this. You have so many offensive weapons. You got Debo Samuel. With your backup at QB, you got Trey Lance. You, you're going to trust Trey Lance? Or Sam Darnold, actually. Or Sam Darnold, yeah. Sam yeah. Darnold, yeah. So are, are you going to trust Sam Darnold? It's like the level, to, and to a certain degree, I see what Shea is saying, because there's a certain level of drop-off from Brock Purdy to Sam Darnold, from Christian McCaffrey to, say, an Elijah Mitchell, and a, a scheme that's very heavily run-oriented. Now, look, McCaffrey is a matchup nightmare. He can do a lot of different things out of the backfield. He's extremely uh, valuable uh, in that role. 
Uh, but I, I I like to think that Brock Purdy, because of the way that he's mastered the offense, you know, it it sounds weird to say, but I feel like they'd almost rather for a one game occurrence if they had to be without one of those guys, they'd probably rather have Brock Purdy and not Sam Darnold under center. Ooh. I don't know. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We'll continue to give you that riveting injury analysis that you only needed. And by the way, just like the committee, we came to no consensus on our top four. So we have absolutely failed at the MVP conversation, but we have decided to give it to Tyreek. In the meantime, what if I told you facial hair could absolutely change the entire scope and landscape of Major League Baseball. Hear me out. We'll tell you about it next. This fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. We are the fellas. I'm Jason Fitz. Hanging out with Mighty Mark Shea and Figgy. What if I told you the facial hair could absolutely change the entire landscape of Major League Baseball? Cameron Maben, 
tweeted out, this might be an unpopular take to Yankees fans, but you'd be surprised how much more attractive the Yankees would be if they got rid of that facial hair rule. You wouldn't believe how many quality players just think it's a whack rule to have. I mean, come on, we're coming up on 2024. Let that go already. And I swear it would be more appealing. Again, this only comes from conversations I've had and experience from actually playing. I always think it's interesting when you hear from former players like this. Because it speaks to just sort of the, the, the divide. And as much as we laugh about it, look, I don't think Shohei's out here wanting a big old beard. So, like, I don't think that's necessarily part of the Shohei conversation we'll get into in a second. But, Figgy, I just got to feel like if you could grow a beard, things would be much easier for the Yankees. Yeah, no doubt. And people have said this throughout the years. And some guys have been willing to sacrifice. One of the more popular ones was Johnny Damon, who looked like a caveman. And he left the Red Sox because the Yankees, uh, you know, gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. So, I mean, that works on some guys, but there's have been a lot that have spoken off the record. I know specifically to me saying like, yeah, the Yankees are not appealing because they're telling me that I have to change my look. And it's pretty ridiculous, especially in 2023 that we're telling a grown man that he can't grow out his hair. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, especially given how much the world has changed. I'll never forget when I did first take the first time on ESPN. They wouldn't let me uh, roll my sleeves up. I'd have a suit on to cover my tattoos because back in 2017, mm. 2018, they weren't comfortable having tattoos on air. Now you've got you know guys on air wearing tank tops and showing everything, right? right? So like it's just amazing. The world has changed. And so I understand why the rule may have been in place. But I also think that you need to look around now and just say, okay, what does the modern society look like, and how do we fit into where where players are now? This is a much different era of player empowerment across all of sports than it was 30 or 40 years ago. You either adapt or you get left behind. Shohei News uh, obviously dominated the baseball cycle yesterday, but there's a real question that we need to ask about whether or not he should be getting this kind of money. We will do that, but first, Figgy, hit us with some trending. All right, well, in the NBA Friday night, the Clippers won their third consecutive game. They defeated the Jazz in Utah, 117-103, to as Kawhi Leonard scored a game-high 41 points. Sacramento Kings' De'Aaron Fox with 34 points, 23 of them in the fourth quarter, and a victory over Phoenix, 114-106, to the final there as Kevin Durant missed the game for the Phoenix Suns. Houston picking up its first road victory of the season and a victory over Denver, 114-106. to 16 straight losses for the Spurs. They failed to the Bulls, 121-112. to You had victories for the Thunder, 76ers, Celtics, and the Timberwolves. In NFL news, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith will be a game-time decision for their matchup against the 49ers after he suffered a growing injury in practice on Thursday. Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco has been ruled out of Sunday's game against Buffalo with a shoulder injury. Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars questionable, likely a game-time decision for Sunday's matchup against Cleveland as he continues to nurse an ankle injury. Back to the fellas. All right, so Shohei Otani, wildly in the news, obviously. We all were sitting there uh, looking at uh, tweets about flights. Where is he going to be? What's it going to look like? What's next for Shohei? And the question is, as you look at the money that he's going to get, it's anticipated he will get the largest contract in North American sports history. Is the money worth it? And there's one real angle that I don't think we've talked enough about on The Fellows, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily, easy, and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Injury should be at least part of this conversation, right? Like, we talk about the greatness of what Shohei has done, and I think we have to acknowledge that anytime you hit free agency, anytime you are looking at a new contract, in most business like this, you are not paid for what you have done. You are paid for what you are expected to do moving forward. 
contracts that are a reward for prior greatness never seem to really work out. And what you have to ask yourself in a vacuum, at least, is do we believe that moving forward we will make money off of this deal, that this deal will make our team better moving forward, that for the next five years everything will matter? There's the very same things I say about Belichick all the time. We can, on one hand, acknowledge the greatness of what he has accomplished, and then on the other hand, acknowledge where they are now and what that means moving forward for the Patriots. You have to say the same thing about Shohei, because if the money is going to be iconic, oh my God, I cannot believe this money, then it is also fair to say, are you paying for what has happened in the past, which is a player that uh, is the modern Babe Ruth, or are you pay, playing for what you think you're going to mo- get moving forward? And Figgy, I think that's a tough argument. I, there, there is a point here, if I'm looking around and you came to me as an owner, I'm going to ask you, what are we paying for? Are we paying for a hitter, a pitcher, or are we paying for both? Yeah, well, that's the difficult part, and that's why there there are some rumors that he Choi Otani might even sign a short term deal with maybe an opt out after the second or third year, so he can get himself back out on the market and market himself as a pitcher, uh, because we just don't know. Like as at this point in time, with guys coming off of a second Tommy John surgery, there have been some success stories off of that, but certainly not at a whole lot. But look, even as a hitter. I mean, the guy is absolutely amazing with 44 home runs last year. All of his numbers were totally off the charts, but you're valuing him a little bit differently if he's only going to be a hitter versus going to be a hitter and a pitcher at the same time. So, yeah, it is a very important question to ask, and the the problem is I do think that the, whether it's the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, the Angels, all the teams that are, are rumored to still be in the mix for this, you wonder if they don't even care. Because, again, you talk about is it going to pay dividends – you're asking if it's going to pay dividends on the baseball field. I don't know. Business-wise, it'll pay pay dividends for whoever signs them. And I think, uh, and to a certain degree, Jason, like this is that's as important as whatever he brings to them on the field. You know, you you're right. You're, yeah, there, there's just no way to 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 jump around that. You're right. Like when you talk about what matters to ownership. You got to ask, okay, hey, imagine this scenario. You and I, Figgy, Figgy and I walk up to Shay. Shay, you are now the team owner. And uh, I walk up to Shay and I say, hey, we, uh, we got this idea. You know, like like the movie Elf when they're trying to figure out the next big book and the ideas they bring in another writer. Like, we got this idea, all right? I'm really stoked about it. But here's the thing. Uh, what we need, Shay, is we need you to open up your pocketbook and we need you to write a check for Shohei Otani. I don't know, Shay, you tell me. As an owner, is your first thought, oh, man, are we going to win? Or is your first thought, are we going to make money back on this deal? I think it's, are we going to make money back on this deal? And I'm pretty sure most people would think that. I mean, maybe if you're a massive fan, yeah, you care about winning. But, I mean, this is all about money, and it's always been about money. I mean, this is a business. When it really comes down to it, yeah, we love it, and we we make it more than it is. But this has always been a business, and it's all about making money at the end of the day. That's why coaches get fired. That's why players get let go. And that's why people are paying so much money for this. The only issue with this I see, really, is I don't think there's ever been a player that basically missed that much time with that much injury like like Ronaldo wouldn't get that much money if he got that kind of surgery Messi wouldn't get that much money if he got that injury LeBron wouldn't get that much money if he literally had that injury like it doesn't make sense to me I don't think there's ever been a player in the history of sports that had literally one of these same injuries not even the season like he literally sat out Last season at the end, it's not even been like two or three months, and he's about to get a 500 to $700 million deal and break 
records. I mean, like, dude, Tiger Woods won't like the only reason he's doing that is because of his name. And I, I think that's something I can kind of compare it to Shohei, like a Tiger situation. But even then, it's like he's he's young. Like, we need to get some output out of him. And there has been no output. I mean, I, yeah, he's a great player, but he hasn't won anything. And you saw that with Trout. He was a great player and he didn't win anything. So this guy's also injured, so it's it's kind of wild to me. Like I, I can't believe it. To He's be gonna honest. be able to hit though. So now like, he had the Tommy John surgery and didn't pitch at all in twenty nineteen and had a pretty good offensive year despite the fact that he couldn't pitch. So you're paying for that too. No, a hundred percent. And then like you can't compare it to other sports because yes, he can bat and, and that, like I can't compare him to Ronaldo there, but you're paying for fifty percent of him, so you should give fifty percent of him. You know what I mean? Like, is he worth one point four billion dollars? No. So Well, but yeah, you're right in theory, but here's the real question. What's the cost of relevance? Like when we look at the NBA, I say this all the time. You got max value players that really aren't worth max contracts. You see it all the time. And you're saying, man, you're going to pay him that. But the question is, all right, it's that or become irrelevant. And that was a question all the way back when all the stars were leaving OKC. One of the questions I asked an NBA insider at the time is, what's the cost of relevance? At what point do you look around and say, hey, I don't care how much I have to spend, and I really don't care if we win games. I just want people to know that we have a team. I want people to buy the stuff. I want people to watch the highlights. I want people to consume what we're doing. I want people to fill the stadium and buy the overpriced beers and hot dogs. I want people to buy the jerseys. I want people to understand the brand. I want the brand to make money. And one of the toughest things about sports ownership is that you own a team that's supposed to win championships, but also it's a business. It's how you make money. And the more we talk about Shohei, guys, the more I keep thinking about it for, for whoever ends up signing him. This isn't necessarily about, oh, I mean, they're going to couch it as this helps us win a World Series. Sure, cool, cute. That's fun. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Let's go there. But realistically, like, Figgy, you, you've made this clear, and I think you're right. This is a return on investment is cost of relevance. And so I'm going to look at it and say, okay, if he costs me a billion dollars, can I make 1.5? If he costs me 1.5, can I make three? Can I make enough off of this deal that my brand grows, that my valuation for my franchise grows, that I make more money? Like that, at the end of the day, is a huge part of what this conversation is for whoever writes the check. Yep, and if the result of that is you can't spend as much money on other players and you're going to be mired in mediocrity, so be it <laughs> to a certain degree. And, you know, the fans, you know, there's going to be the initial shine and everything's going to be exciting and great. Look, I saw this with the Angels firsthand. Out of the first three or four years, it's incredible. Then after a while, it's like, well, yeah, well, we'll go to the park to watch this guy play, but the rest of the team is trash. But what difference does it make? We're watching a great player do his thing, and the owners are making their money. Yeah, they say they want to win, and I'm sure they're going to try to put a, a competitive team on the field as much as they possibly can. But ultimately, it's all about, you know, cashing the checks and ma- making sure they turn a profit on this thing. I and so it's especially for a franchise like Toronto, look, and Toronto has spent, I'm not saying that they're cheap by any stretch, and Rogers basically owns the entire continent, <laughs> you know, uh, or at least <laughs> the entire country of Canada. So they, they print money up there. I'm not saying they wouldn't invest. And obviously the Dodgers invest. They've been one of the most successful franchises in, in baseball since the Guggenheim Partners bought them years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't sit here and act like competing on the baseball field is chief among the reasons why you would sign them. I, as weird as it might st- sound, and us talking sports Sports Talk Radio and talking about competing and wanting to win, I just don't believe when you're talking about a deal of this magnitude with an international superstar that winning on the field is the most important factor. I really don't think that's the case. 
Well, I love your point about going to the game because we all know, oh, man, this team's better than we thought. Don't know any of the stars, but, yeah, let's go to the – okay, that happens sometimes. And then when you're on the road, it's like, oh, this team's better than we thought, and they're in town. We should go to oh, – yeah, sure, that happens sometimes. Hey, you want to go see Shohei? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. Yep. Oh, it doesn't matter where that game is. Hey, Shohei's in town. Like, I, I'm not going to drive up to Fenway to just see a plucky team that I didn't under, didn't know was going to be this good. But if you tell me Shohei's taking on uh, the, the the Red Sox, I'm going to hop in the car with my buddies. We're going to go. We're going to have the drinks. We're going to go see the experience. So the more we think about Shohei, I think the more we have to couch this conversation about what it's really about. It's not about winning the World Series. It's about winning the bank account. And at the end of the day, most of us are fans because we are fanatical about a brand of a sport that we love. But most owners are owners because they're rich and they understand how to make money in the business that they have. You're always rich if you hang out with us after the show, by the way. Our podcast goes up. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your pods and Be sure to also follow, rate, review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. You'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. Shea, Shea does a great job. Uh, grinds. He's a 24-7 work guy, making sure the fellas get to everybody as soon as possible immediately after. All right, coming up. Up next on the fellas, as much as we have been talking about everything else, there is one matchup. There is absolutely one must-see matchup in the NFL this weekend, and it is not the game you think. We'll tell you about it next on the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. 
Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So, fellas, on Fox Sports Radio, live from the TireRack.com studios. I just, you know, I got to let the Christmas music breathe a little bit, y'all. Like, it just, it feels good. Like, I am that guy. Uh, I'm Jason Fitz hanging out. The fellas are Figgy, Shea, Mighty Mark, causing getting a much-deserved day off today. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, Shay, just just being real, I like going to the mall even when I don't need anything at Christmas time just to hear the Christmas music. I'm just just being honest. Like, like I just like being around the chaos. Everybody's shopping and wearing their ugly sweaters. And, like, I got my Grinch Reeboks on, and I'm just walking around for no good reason. Don't need anything. It's just like I waved at Santa yesterday at the mall. I was like, yeah, feeling good. Like, there's part of it. Like, you just give me that Christmas music, and suddenly I want to be in Target for 20 minutes for no good reason. Oh, I completely agree. Are you kidding me? Like, we got this place called The Commons near me, and it's kind of like where I grew up. It was like... The place to go on Friday nights, and it usually plays Frank Sinatra in these like in their audio, like while you're walking around. But when Christmas time came along, they'd start playing Christmas music, and they had this huge tree that they would put up. So as a kid, I used to love going there all the time during Christmas, just because of the vibes, the music, and I think ever since then, and because of that. I am so okay with Christmas coming in October, like right after Halloween. Like I am completely fine with it. Like I bought my Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. Like I was ready to go. I was very happy for it. Me and my mom still haven't decorated it, but it is sitting in our living room. Do not worry. No, go ahead. I'll say the wife and I are right there with you. The day after uh, Christmas, by the way, we got our tree and it's set up in the room. We haven't had a chance to decorate it yet. I'm I'm all for even Thanksgiving Day, but November first. Halloween. The problem I have is when you're walking around a store and it's October 22nd and there's there's a, like nine Christmas aisles already set up. It was like, can I mean, Fitz, you love Halloween. Can we let Halloween breathe for a second? That's yeah, the problem no, that I have. I'm a big fan of like wake up the day after like November 1st. I should walk into the stores and everybody overnight reset everything. Right. Then it's like and put me straight into Christmas then. And like like I've always said, you know, you hang out, you have some drinks, you watch some games, you talk to you, your buddies. That's what you do at halftime of a football game. Well, that's what you do on Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving's halftime of Christmas. Like you can take those two, three days off for the weekend and then you get right back into it. I'm, I'm all in. But uh, you mentioned Sinatra. I, I, believe me, we'll get to football in a second. But you mentioned Sinatra, Shay. Like there is nothing just more Christmassy, but also just classy, like bougie that I love like I'm not a bougie guy but I'm telling you Christmas time you just you, you turn all the lights down so all you have is the glow of the Christmas lights on all the decorations and everything the lights are dim in the whole house you get to you get your record player and you just put on like Sinatra Christmas any of it you know you you've, you got that I've got the record player that then goes to the Spotify or goes to the Sonos in the house so like all the speakers have that like crispy recordy sound pour yourself a glass of whiskey and you just sit down and like in a dimly lit room you just appreciate of Christmas. Like you said, Sinatra, I get all my Christmas feels from like 100%. Sinatra Christmas on vinyl. Ooh. You just said oh. whiskey. Have you ever had whiskey with eggnog or bourbon with eggnog? No. Oh my God. That's a new one. What, guys? No. Never had it. Oh my God. I'm not a huge eggnog guy. It has to be made just right for me to actually imbibe. Okay, I'm, I mean, I only have it when I go, like, snowboarding or, like, when I go um, for Christmas time. That's a big-time Christmas drink. Whiskey and eggnog, it's, like, the only time I'll have it. Also, like, a, like an alcoholic mocha, like a, like a hot chocolate. Have you guys ever had that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I usually call it a mammoth mocha because I only have it when I go up to mammoth. 
But oh my goodness! The, wait, wait, wait. So mammoth mocha only because you got like I would have thought it was just a particularly large mocha. So it's like my mammoth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so there's this there's this mountain in Ca- in California. It's a it's a pretty big uh, ski location yep. and snowboard location. It's called Mammoth Mountain. And on the mountain they have like the lodges, and in the lodges they have pretty big bars. And at these bars, it's like a twenty dollar drink. But I'm I'm doing it. Are you kidding me? But it is so good, and it's so strong, but you don't notice it, so it's perfect for snowboarding. You just get a little bit tipsy. You don't really care if you eat, like, absolute face. Like, that would be the worst. But other than that, like, I'm happy. It's great. And I'm very excited to drink some eggnog and whiskey and a mammoth mocha. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big eggnog. I'm, I'm kind of like Figgy. It's got to be perfectly made. Uh, I have an old recipe that a friend of the family gave that that is takes way too long to make and it's worth it so like i'm an eggnog snob like if it's really good eggnog i'm in on it but for the most part like and the funny thing is once we hit like december 26th i i I want none of this like once we hit december 26th (laughs) it's like all right the lights are done everything's like but but until then like oh man you got like especially when you're sitting in the house and it's just the glow of the old like c9 bulbs you kids are too young to understand like like the it's not led it's it's like it's got this warmth to it it feels like you're at the end of the movie christmas story where you're just Mm. sitting there like with the the snow falling in the tree oh man i'm telling like that to me when we talk about like the things that signify christmas just sitting there with like old Sinatra Christmas music on, uh, drink in hand, and, and the glow of the house, Figgy. That 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 feels like Christmas. Oh, it's amazing. I, I 100% know what you mean. And you know, we talk about violations on the show all the time. You guys tell me this is a violation, and this one goes to my wife. So this was two years ago. Uh, it's Christmas night, and she says, "What do you think about taking down the decorations?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I don't." <laughs> and I swear, we we never argue about anything. This was our standing argument. I was like, under no circumstances am I taking down Christmas decorations on Christmas Day. You're out of your mind. Because yeah. the house is too cluttered. I want to. So we had a back and forth for probably about two and a half minutes. And of course, because I like, you know, my life and happy wife, happy life, I ended up relenting. But I was like, that. I've never felt more dirty in my life than when I took down Christmas on Christmas night. Oh yes. yeah, it, it stays up until like January, mid-January. For me, I just don't light everything the same way. It stays up till mid-January. They're like, I just 100%. never, I yeah. never take that. Especially with the national championship game always being like a week after. Right. We're too like it's too slammed, too busy. Uh, I feel like it's a mid-late January thing getting the decor. Like Shay, uh, uh, you're, you're. I mean, what's your mom tell you? To, I had to throw that in. Like, what does <laughs> mom say about the decorations? <laughs> No, she's. I mean, we keep. We're lazy. Are you kidding? I mean, we keep it up forever. Keep it up. Yeah, keep it up to Valentine's Day. Yeah, Let's go. When, this, oh, when the tree starts dying, that's when we'll throw it away. I just, I just love the fact that it's like, what's, what's mom say we have to do about that? I've never felt older than I do on this show today. Okay, I promised you we would get into the matchups of the weekend. There are a couple of huge college, huge NFL matchups this weekend. But everybody's talking about one. We'll give you a different game. You have to watch this weekend next on the fellas. In an unpredictable year. We rely more than ever on being able to trust a quarterback when it comes to what teams we can trust. We rely more than ever on a quarterback when we're trying to evaluate coaches. We rely more than ever on quarterbacks when it comes to just feeling like our favorite team has hope. And right now, if you look at the odds makers, they're relying more than ever on quarterbacks to win the MVP, the top six, the six best odds right now to win the MVP all belong to quarterbacks. Eight of the top ten all belong to quarterbacks. The question is, should it 
in a year where the where the NFL looks different than ever, and in a year where, frankly, the NFL seems less predictable, and there are more star players making impacts in different ways every single Sunday, maybe this is the year where we should force ourselves to open the perspective out of just quarterback when it comes to the conversation of who the most important, the most valuable player is. Because you could argue any given Sunday, in a year where we see backup quarterbacks trying to thrive, in a year where we see guys we've never heard of stepping up behind center and still putting up some decent numbers, in a year where we see somebody like Josh Dobbs go off, in that sort of a year, maybe this is that moment where the door's been cracked open that we can walk through to start to credit other players at other positions that are doing generational things this season that impact the game every single week. It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Figgy, Shay, Mighty Mark. You know the group at this point. We're all hanging out with you. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The MVP vote should be simple. You should be able to walk in and, at this point, 14 weeks into the season, look at it and say, you know what? Clearly there is someone dominating the league. Now, when I say it that way, clearly there is someone dominating the league. There is. When I say clearly there is someone doing historic things this season, there is. When I say clearly someone is doing something this season that the Hall of Fame is going to remember. It's happening. When you factor all of that in, oh, and clearly that level of dominance is leading to wins. Yep. All of those things are happening. All of those same criteria are being met right now. But they're not being met by a quarterback. So what do you do when you are watching a dynamic, unstoppable performance? When you are looking at the actions of Tyreek Hill every single week? And you got to admit it. When you see the schedule, when you play the schedule game and your, your favorite team's taking on the Dolphins, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? God, we're not going to be able to stop Tyreek. When you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers... It's historic. He's about 500 yards away from being a 2,000-yard receiver. And he's doing it on the number one seed in the AFC. Oh, the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, they have. They may not have beaten anybody very good, but they've beaten a lot of teams. Right now, the AFC runs through Miami. And yes, two is a big part of that. Ball's in his hand every snap. That's fine. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that Tua is a part of this conversation. But when I say Dolphins, you say Tyreek. And when you start putting history and context behind the numbers we're seeing, it is clear right now who the MVP of the NFL is. It is absolutely abundantly clear. His name is Tyreek Hill. He won't win the award. But when he doesn't win the award, maybe we should hold MVP voters in the NFL to the same level of scrutiny that we're currently holding the College Football Playoff Committee and ask a real question. 
Is this simply a quarterback of the year award or is it an MVP? Because history will remember. Current football teams know it. Everybody knows what's coming and they can't stop it. And if that isn't the definition of an MVP, the hell is. So, fellas, let's bring Figgy, Shea, Mighty Mark. We're doing a committee. We're figuring out the, the MVP award, and we came to Tyreek Hill as our number one on this. We're doing a committee just like the College Football Playoff Committee. We're going to arbitrarily vote on things. Figgy, the more I think about it, Tyreek Hill at number one, I am fired up about. I think it makes sense. I think we've settled on Lamar as number two. But I will ask you a question as we continue down this list. Does Dak, as I just said, quarterbacks, would you put Dak or CD on this list? Ooh. Um, well, if it's between the two of them, I will put Dak on the list over CD Lamb uh, for sure. But to be honest with you, I don't know if Dak is – I do know for a fact Dak is not in my top four. I'll tell you that. Woo! Not even in your top four. Okay, no. Dak, because currently the uh, the best odds – uh, it's a tie between Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. You know they're both mm-hmm. at plus three hundred right now to win the MVP. So, so you're just out on Dak altogether as an MVP caliber season. Uh, well, for putting him in a top four for this to this current exercise, then yes. If it was a top five, I'm probably will put him in. To be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, and I'm with you that I think part of the reason that you know I, I, I understand that there are multiple weapons for the Dolphins that have worked incredibly well. I uh, want to give CD his flowers. While CD has been great, I don't think CD has been at a Tyreek level. I don't think that's no. a hot take, right? And, no. Uh, I th- there has been this ascension, really, of Dak throughout the course of the last month, particularly. I've given Mike McCarthy a lot of credit on this show. Like, I think the Cowboys are an interesting case study here because if I'm looking at Tyreek and I'm looking at Lamar, to me, Dak and Jalen Hurts and Lamar are sort of all in the same conversation. They're incredible quarterbacks on incredible teams this year. The question is just how do they separate from from each other? I think that's a fair question to a certain degree. I think the run element for Jalen Hurts, which has not been as strong, by the way, this season, and the fact that he's improved as a passer, uh, I think kind of puts him over the top. Granted, he has phenomenal weapons. He has you know one of the best receiver combinations uh, in the entire NFL, and he has one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. But because of the unique, uniqueness of their offense, and just anybody can't go in there and be plug-and-play and run it, and run it as efficiently as he does, even despite the fact that he's battling through some injuries, that that's why I give the leg up to Jalen Hurts. I think that the Jalen Hurts angle is the the running angle is a huge part of it. He's such a different part of their offense, right? Like there is value to that. As much as we've over over talked about brotherly shove or the tush push or whatever we want to call it. It is important to acknowledge that Philly is doing something and Jalen Hurts is doing something that a lot of quarterbacks simply can't execute. Like, I would Mm -hmm. not trust same offensive line, same weapons, same formation. You put Brock Purdy behind that offensive line, I don't think he's going to get that same first down on that that brotherly shove, right? Like, I think there is some credit to what Jalen Hurts does and in the most indefensible play in the NFL right now. That's just such a different angle and level to who he is and what he does and there's a smoothness to the way he does it. I, the, the more we talk, the more I'm buying Hertz as my number three. I, I, I think, you, Figgy, you have, you have smoothly laid out a case for Jalen Hurts. And by the way, best record in football. Like, as much yeah. as we've been you know what on the Eagles, best record in football, I, I think you're, you're, you're Shea, are, are we talking you in at this point since you, you hate all quarterbacks? Are we talking you <laughs> in at this point? 
No, I mean, I'm listening. I'm listening. Because, I mean, Jalen Hurts, it, I feel like it's the same thing as Pat Mahomes, though, at this at this point almost. It's like, yeah, he's he's having a good year, but it's not the year that he's had. And I, are we going to give him an MVP on not his best year ever? I don't think so. And I, I don't think he should be number three because of that. But, like, again, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to what you guys have to say, and I, I want to see. But, again... He, I don't. He's not definitely not having the best year of his career. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, Production-wise, his numbers are, are, I think, not comparable to last season. But I think the team isn't as good as it was last season, and he has to, had to shoulder more of the burden uh, on top of the fact that he's not 100%. And, I mean, and he's, he's almost, I won't say single-handedly. Nobody does anything single-handedly in a game of football, but he's won games. I mean, that Buffalo game couple of huge drives in the last the final quarter in an overtime. Uh, there's a certain plays that he made. There's only a handful of other quarterbacks who would have the ability to be able to make that. And certainly replacement level quarterbacks would not be able to do the things that he's doing. So uh, that's is, why I have him there. Is being the like, because here's the hardest part of it. I, I would argue that with Dak, you have to have CD as part of the conversation. With Tua, you have to have Tyreek as part of the conversation. With Jalen Hurts, you have to have AJ Brown as part of the conversation. Sure. Which also speaks to how great some of these wide receivers are playing this year. Like the the elite of the elite, and then the I guess part of the MVP conversation to me is that I believe that CD and AJ Brown are playing at such a high level, and I believe Tyreek is even a step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But how do we factor in some of that when we're analyzing these guys? It's hard because. I'm not sure that the Eagles offense looks the same if you take A.J. Brown away. I'm damn well sure it doesn't look the same if you take Jalen Hurts away. You know, so like that's right. the hard part of it. It is. It is. And, I, and look, you also have to look at, you know, their overall records as well. Now, look, it's, I think it's a feather in the cap of Christian McCaffrey, who you uh, pined for last segment because the 49ers went into Philadelphia and just, you know, smacked them up around on their own home field. Uh, but they've won some big games this year, they being the Philadelphia Eagles against, you know, some solid teams. The Cowboys are, are a solid team. It has one of those MVP candidates you were just talking about. They beat, albeit this is not the best Kansas City Chief team, but they're still the defending champs and they went into Arrow ahead and defeated them so and then i mentioned the buffalo game a team fighting for its playoff lives and still has one of the best quarterbacks in the league and they beat them in a nip and tuck game so i feel like he's responded in every single situation where he's needed to against porous teams good teams it hasn't mattered and jalen hurts has still been the engine that makes them go now i think the argument about aj brown is certainly a valid one but i do think the run element and the uniqueness of their offense and him orchestrating that offense is what gives him a leg up over someone like dak prescott who's more of a traditional pocket passer yeah i i don't disagree with all of that i think sometimes some of these quarterbacks are canceling each other out which is why i'll go back to making my case for christian mccaffrey and Mm -hmm. it's funny because i I wanted to look this back up to make sure that i haven't lost my mind because you know i'm I'm pretty not smart sometimes uh so i looked it back up and you know let's look at last year last year christian mccaffrey rushed for 1139 11 1139 yards over the course of 17 games right so far this year he has 1032 so you're talking about uh, he's just about to eclipse what he did last year. And last year, it felt like he was getting more love and respect for it. Uh, receiving last year, 741 yards. Well, this this year, already 429. So you start to look at his touchdown numbers. This year, he's, a, he's accounted for 17 touchdowns overall this year, which is more than he had throughout the entirety of last season. So when you think about Christian McCaffrey, I almost think that there is a... 
LeBron-like moment, an MJ-like moment, a Kobe-like moment. We normalize greatness. And the first time we see it, we say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And then after a few years of seeing it, we're just like, oh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Like, I think that's where we are with Christian McCaffrey, and I'm not sure that's the right place to be in. I know that, you know, a few years ago, the combined yardage was absolutely through the roof. But uh, with 23, 2,400 yards combined, he's not on pace right now for that. But when you look at what he's done touchdown-wise, what he's done touch-wise, where his averages are, is there really anybody more important to the success of their team other than Tyreek Hill than Christian McCaffrey? I, I think you could argue no. The, the way he's played this season feels MVP-ish to me. It feels transcendent to me. No, you're right. And the, the difficult part is, and we're talking about this season in particular, but if you go back to last year when San Francisco traded for him, it was almost seen as a luxury pickup. I mean, they I think there were 7 and 3 or something like that when they traded for him. And obviously he, he is a difference maker and took their offense to a completely different level. But it's not as if this offense was not necessarily good or productive before he got there. Now maybe they went from being good to great. And that certainly shouldn't be discounted, but I wonder if he has that working against him. It wasn't it's- like they needed him. To go to another, to you know, to, to be a competitive uh, Super Bowl caliber or a playoff caliber team. Maybe they were a playoff caliber team and not a Super Bowl caliber team, and maybe that puts them over the top. I don't know. You I, tell me. But I'll I'll go back to, and this is what's what's difficult because you're right. I think the luxury conversation around Christian McCaffrey is is fair. But I also I'll go back to Lewis Riddick uh, from ESPN who tweeted out yesterday the 1990s 49ers offense: Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman with Mike Holmgren as the offensive coordinator, and he said Joe Montana won the MVP that year. I think his point, Lewis was making the point that Joe Montana won the MVP in a year where he had incredible weapons, including a Hall of Famer with him and a couple of guys that that should be in that conversation, right? But you look at this 49ers offense, and then you start thinking about, okay, George Kittle is going to be one of those guys that we talk about forever. Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of those guys that we talk about forever, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you go up and down the list. This 49ers offense is so stacked with guys that I think are going to be memorable for this generation for what they accomplished. I do think that changes the conversation around all of them, fair or not. It just feels like they're so stacked offensively that it's hard to figure out which one to give the credit to and how much of the credit goes to them and how they're defended based on the other people. Like all of these things that we think about. Yeah, and so typically when that happens, to your point, point into Lewis you know tweeting that out who gets the credit in situations like that generally it's the quarterback yeah usually the quarterback is the one who's throwing the passes to all those guys because what differentiates San Francisco and someone like Purdy from someone like Jalen Hurts and say AJ Brown AJ Brown is gobbling up all you know the majority of the catches CeeDee Lamb is getting most of the production from Dak Prescott Purdy's spreading it around I mean McCaffrey has over a thousand yards rushing yes but I mean Debo Samuels has this what 560 yards receiving Kittle has almost 800 yards receiving Brandon Ayuk is knocking on the door of a thousand yards so all these guys are eating and Brock Purdy is the guy who's kind of the, the maestro, the, the, who's distributing it to all of them. So in a situation where there's multiple players having excellent seasons, usually the nod goes to the quarterback. And even though Christian McCaffrey's having another spectacular all-around season, I feel like most voters would put the give the nod to Brock Purdy for that reason. I, I okay. definitely agree with K-Fig right there. I was also going to just bring that up. I was just trying to find a spot to get in. But no, seriously, when you... Because I feel like the only reason we're not talking about Brock Purdy is because of CMC's greatness. But you can't take away. I mean, he's accounted for like 58% of the touchdowns this season, which is way more than I thought. And as well, like you would think like in like 
they've played a lot more running plays than passing plays, but it's only been 48, like 48% passing plays compared to 52% rushing plays. So it really isn't a huge difference in regards to CMC really putting the team on his back as well as Brock putting the team on his back. And also Purdy's first in the NFL with 9.6 yards per attempt. So it's pretty like easy, I feel like, to say Brock Purdy a little bit more than CMC. I mean, I love CMC, don't get me wrong, 17 touchdowns and then I, he had this crazy stat like even, I know we're only talking about uh, this year, but last year he had like so many touchdowns, I think it was like the most back-to-back games with a touchdown, but still like, Brock Purdy, as K-Fake K- said, everyone's eating on the Niners and it's not because of CMC, it's because of Purdy. Okay, and, I'm going to ask you a very simple question though, I'll ask both of you, okay. alright? I don't like to put injury into the ethos, so I'm not even going to say injury. I'm just going to say, let's say the 49ers were looking around before their game, any game, playoff game, we'll say, and one of the guys got the poops, and he wasn't going to be able to play because, you know, tummy issues, right? So there's nothing he could do. All right, this is an imaginary situation. If the 49ers had to choose for that one game to not have Brock Purdy or to not have Christian McCaffrey, who are they choosing? Not have Christian McCaffrey, I think, just because of the backups. Really? So think about this. You have so many offensive weapons. You got Debo Samuel. With your backup at QB, you got Trey Lance. You, you're going to trust Trey Lance? Or Sam Darnold. That's or Trey Sam Lance. Darnold. Yeah. Sam yeah. Darnold, yeah. So are, are you going to trust Sam Darnold? It's like the level, to, and to a certain degree, I see what Shea is saying, because there's a certain level of drop-off from Brock Purdy to Sam Darnold, from Christian McCaffrey to, say, an Elijah Mitchell, and a, a scheme that's very heavily run-oriented. Now, look, McCaffrey is a matchup nightmare. He can do a lot of different things out of the backfield. He's extremely uh, valuable uh, in that role. Uh, but I, I I like to think that Brock Purdy, because of the way that he's mastered the offense, you know, it, it sounds weird to say, but I feel like they'd almost rather, for a one-game occurrence, if they had to be without one of those guys, they'd probably rather have Brock Purdy and not Sam Darnold under center. Ooh. I don't know. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We'll continue to give you that riveting injury analysis that you only needed. And by the way, just like the committee, we came to no consensus on our top four. So we have absolutely failed at the MVP conversation, but we have decided to give it to Tyreek. In the meantime, what if I told you facial hair could absolutely change the entire scope and landscape of Major League Baseball. Hear me out. We'll tell you about it next. It's the fellas on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. We are the fellas. I'm Jason Fitz. Hanging out with Mighty Mark Shea and Figgy. What if I told you the facial hair could absolutely change the entire landscape of Major League Baseball? Cameron Maben tweeted out, This might be an unpopular take to Yankees fans, but you'd be surprised how much more attractive the Yankees would be if they got rid of that facial hair rule. Rule. You wouldn't believe how many quality players just think it's a whack rule to have. I mean, come on. We're coming up on 2024. Let that go already. And I swear it would be more appealing. Again, this only comes from conversations I've had and experience from actually playing. I always think it's interesting when you hear from former players like this because it speaks to just sort of the, the, the divide. And as much as we laugh about it, look, I don't think Shohei's out here wanting a big old beard. So, like, I don't think that's necessarily part of the Shohei conversation we'll get into in a second. But, Figgy, I just got to feel like if you could grow a beard, things would be much easier for the Yankees. Yeah, no doubt. And people have said this throughout the years, and some guys have been willing to sacrifice. One of the more popular ones was Johnny Damon, who looked like a caveman. And he left the Red Sox because the Yankees, uh, you know, gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. So, I mean, that works on some guys, but there's have been a lot that have spoken off the record. I know specifically to me saying like, yeah, the Yankees are not appealing because they're telling me that I have to change my look. And it's pretty ridiculous, especially in 2023 that we're telling a grown man that he can't grow out his hair. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, especially given how much the world has changed. I'll never forget when I did first take the first time on ESPN. They wouldn't let me uh, roll my sleeves up. I'd have a suit on to cover my tattoos because back in 2017, mm. 2018, they weren't comfortable having tattoos on air. Now you've got you know guys on air wearing tank tops and showing everything, right? right? So like it's just amazing. The world has changed. And so I understand why the rule may have been in place. But I also think that you need to look around now and just say, okay, what does the modern society look like and how do we fit into where where players are now? This is a much different era of player empowerment across all of sports than it was 30 or 40 years ago. You either adapt or you get left behind. Shohei News uh, obviously dominated the baseball cycle yesterday, but there's a real question that we need to ask about whether or not he should be getting this kind of money. We will do that, but first, Figgy, hit us with some trending. Alright, well in the NBA Friday night, the Clippers won their third consecutive game. They defeated the Jazz in Utah, 117 to 
101-103 as Kawhi Leonard scored a game-high 41 points. Sacramento Kings' De'Aaron Fox with 34 points, 23 of them in the fourth quarter, and a victory over Phoenix 114-106, the final there as Kevin Durant missed the game for the Phoenix Suns. Houston picking up its first road victory of the season and a victory over Denver, 114-106. to 16 straight losses for the Spurs. They failed to the Bulls, 121-112. to You had victories for the Thunder, 76ers, Celtics, and the Timberwolves. In NFL news, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith will be a game-time decision for their matchup against the 49ers after he suffered a growing injury in practice on Thursday. Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco has been ruled out of Sunday's game against Buffalo with a shoulder injury. Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars questionable, likely a game-time decision for Sunday's matchup against Cleveland as he continues to nurse an ankle injury. Back to the fellas. All right, so Shohei Otani, wildly in the news, obviously. We all were sitting there uh, looking at uh, tweets about flights. Where is he going to be? What's it going to look like? What's next for Shohei? And the question is, as you look at the money that he's going to get, it's anticipated he will get the largest contract in North American sports history. Is the money worth it? And there's one real angle that I don't think we've talked enough about on The Fellows, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily, easy, and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Injury should be at least part of this conversation, right? Like, we talk about the greatness of what Shohei has done, and I think we have to acknowledge that anytime you hit free agency, anytime you are looking at a new contract, in most business like this, you are not paid for what you have done. You are paid for what you are expected to do moving forward. Contracts that are a reward for prior greatness never seem to really work out. And what you have to ask yourself, in a vacuum at least, is – Do we believe that moving forward, we will make money off of this deal, that this deal will make our team better moving forward, that for the next five years, everything will matter? The very same things I say about Belichick all the time. We can, on one hand, acknowledge the greatness of what he has accomplished, and then on the other hand, acknowledge where they are now and what that means moving forward for the Patriots. You have to say the same thing about Shohei, because if the money is going to be iconic, oh my God, I cannot believe this money, then it is also fair to say, are you paying? for what has happened in the past, which is a player that uh, is the modern Babe Ruth, or are you playing for what you think you're going to get moving forward? And Figgy, I think that's a tough argument. There there is a point here, if I'm looking around and you came to me as an owner, I'm going to ask you, what are we paying for? Are we paying for a hitter, a pitcher, or are we paying for both? Yeah, well, that's the difficult part, and that's why there there are some rumors that Choi Otani might even sign a short-term deal with maybe an opt-out after the second or third year so he can get himself back out on the market and market himself as a pitcher uh, because we just don't know. Like, as of this point in time, a guy's coming off of a second Tommy John surgery. There have been some success stories off of that, but certainly not a, a whole lot. But look, even as a hitter, I mean, the guy is absolutely amazing with 44 home runs last year. All of his numbers were totally off the charts, but you're valuing him a little bit differently if he's only going to be a hitter versus going to be a hitter and a pitcher at the same time. So, yeah, it is a very important question to ask, and the the problem is I do think that the, whether it's the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, the Angels, all the teams that are, are rumored to still be in the mix for this, you wonder if they don't even care. Because, again, you talk about is it going to pay dividends – you're asking if it's going to pay dividends on the baseball field. I don't know. Business-wise, it'll pay pay dividends for whoever signs them. And I think, uh, and to a certain degree, Jason, like this is that's as important as whatever he brings to them on the field. You know, you're right. You're, yeah, there, there's just no way to 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 jump around that. You're right. Like 
when you talk about what matters to ownership, you got to ask, okay, hey, imagine this scenario. You and I, Figgy, Figgy and I walk up to Shay. Shay, you are now the team owner. And uh, I walk up to Shay and I say, hey, we, uh, we got this idea. You know, like like the movie Elf when they're trying to figure out the next big book and the ideas they bring in another writer. Like, we got this idea, all right? I'm really stoked about it. But here's the thing. Uh, what we need, Shay, is we need you to open up your pocketbook and we need you to write a check for Shohei Otani. I don't know, Shay, you tell me, as an owner, is your first thought, oh, man, are we going to win? Or is your first thought, are we going to make money back on this deal? I think it's, are we going to make money back on this deal? And I, I'm pretty sure most people would think that. I mean, maybe if you're a massive fan, yeah, you care about winning. But, I mean, this is all about money, and it's always been about money. I mean, this is a business. When it really comes down to it, yeah, we love it, and we, we make it more than it is. But this has always been a business, and it's all about making money at the end of the day. That's why coaches get fired. That's why players get let go. And that's why people are paying so much money for this. The only issue with this I see, really, is I don't think there's ever been a player that basically missed that much time with that much injury like like Ronaldo wouldn't get that much money if he got that kind of surgery Messi wouldn't get that much money if he got that injury LeBron wouldn't get that much money if he literally had that injury like it doesn't make sense to me I don't think there's ever been a player in the history of sports that had literally one of these same injuries not even the season like he literally sat out Last season at the end, it's not even been like two or three months, and he's about to get a 500 to $700 million deal and break records. I mean, like, dude, Tiger Woods won't. Like, the only reason he's doing that is because of his name. And I, I think that's something I can kind of compare it to Shohei, like a Tiger situation. But even then, it's like, he's he's young. Like, we need to get some output out of him, and there has been no output. I mean, I, yeah, he's a great player, but he hasn't won anything, and... You saw that with Trout. He was a great player, and he didn't win anything. So this guy's also injured, so it's it's kind of wild to me. Like, I, I can't believe it. To He's be going to be able to hit, though. So now well, he had the Tommy John surgery and didn't pitch at all in 2019 and had a pretty good offensive year despite the fact that he couldn't pitch. So you're paying for that, too. No, 100%. And, then, like, you can't compare it to other sports because, yes, he can bat. And, and that, like, I can't compare him to Ronaldo there, but – you're paying for 50% of him, so you should give 50% of him. You know what I mean? Like, is he worth $1.4 billion? No. So, Well, but you're right in theory. But here's the real question. What's the cost of relevance? Like, when we look at the NBA, I say this all the time. You got max value players that really aren't worth max contracts. You see it all the time. And you're saying, man, you're going to pay him that? But the question is... All right, it's that or become irrelevant. And that was a question all the way back when all the stars were leaving OKC. One of the questions I asked an NBA insider at the time is, what's the cost of relevance? At what point do you look around and say, hey, I don't care how much I have to spend, and I really don't care if we win games. I just want people to know that we have a team. I want people to buy the stuff. I want people to watch the highlights. I want people to consume what we're doing. I want people to fill the stadium and buy the overpriced beers and hot dogs. I want people to buy the jerseys. I want people to understand the brand. I want the brand to make money. And one of the toughest things about sports ownership is that you own a team that's supposed to win championships, but also it's your business. It's how you make money. And the more we talk about Shohei, guys, the more I keep thinking about it for, for whoever ends up signing him. This isn't necessarily about, oh, I mean, they're going to couch it as this helps us win a World Series. Sure, cool, cute. That's fun. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Let's go there. But realistically, like, Figgy, you, you've made this clear, and I think you're right. 
this is a return on investment is cost of relevance. And so I'm going to look at it and say, okay, if he costs me a billion dollars, can I make 1.5? If he costs me 1.5, can I make three? Can I make enough off of this deal that my brand grows, that my valuation for my franchise grows, that I make more money? Like that, at the end of the day, is a huge part of what this conversation is for whoever writes the check. Yep, and if the result of that is you can't spend as much money on other players and you're going to be mired in mediocrity, so be it <laughs> to a certain degree. And, you know, the fans, you know, there's going to be the initial shine and everything's going to be exciting and great. Look, I saw this with the Angels firsthand. Out of the first three or four years, it's incredible. Then after a while, it's like, well, yeah, well, we'll go to the park to watch this guy play, but the rest of the team is trash. But what difference does it make? We're watching a great player do his thing, and the owners are making their money. Yeah, they say they want to win, and I'm sure they're going to try to put a, a competitive team on the field as much as they possibly can. But ultimately, it's all about, you know, cashing the checks and ma- making sure they turn a profit on this thing. I and so, it's especially for a franchise like Toronto, look, and Toronto has spent, I'm not saying that they're cheap by any stretch, and Rogers basically owns the entire continent, <laughs> you know, uh, or at least the entire country of Canada. So, they, they print money up there. I'm not saying they wouldn't invest. And obviously, the Dodgers invest. They've been one of the most successful franchises in, in baseball since the Guggenheim Partners bought them years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't sit here and act like competing on the baseball field is chief among the reasons why you would sign them. I, as weird as it might stout, sound, and us talking sports talk radio and talking about competing and wanting to win i just don't believe when you're talking about a deal of this magnitude with an international superstar that winning on the field is the most important factor i really don't think that's the case well i love your point about going to the game because we all know oh man this team's better than we thought don't know any of the stars but yeah let's go to the okay that happens sometimes then when you're on the road it's like oh this team's better than we thought and they're in town we should go oh yeah sure that happens sometimes Hey, you want to go see Shohei? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. Yep. Oh, it doesn't matter where that game is. Hey, Shohei's in town. Like, I, I'm not going to drive up to Fenway to just see a plucky team that I didn't under, didn't know was going to be this good. But if you tell me Shohei's taking on uh, the, the, the Red Sox, I'm going to hop in the car with my buddies. We're going to go. We're going to have the drinks. We're going to go see the experience. So the more we think about Shohei, I think the more we have to couch this conversation about what it's really about. It's not about winning the World Series. It's about winning the bank account. And at the end of the day, most of us are fans because we are fanatical about a brand of a sport that we love. But most owners are owners because they're rich and they understand how to make money in the business that they have. You're always rich if you hang out with us after the show, by the way. Our podcast goes up. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your pods. And be sure to also follow, rate, review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. You'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. Shay does a great job. Uh, grinds. He's a 24-7 work guy. Making sure the fellas get to everybody as soon as possible immediately after. All right, coming up next on the fellas as much as we have been talking about everything else there is one matchup there's absolutely one must see matchup in the nfl this weekend and it is not the game you think we'll tell you about it next on the fellas on fox sports radio do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live saw the movie as a kid or saw her looks all over tiktok there's no shortage of reasons to stand the queen of tejano And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. So, fellas, on Fox Sports Radio, live from the Tyrac.com studios. I just, you know, I gotta let the Christmas music breathe a little bit, y'all. Like, it just, it feels good. Like, I am that guy. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out. The fellas are Figgy, Shea, Mighty Mark. Cousin getting a much-deserved day off today. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, Shay, just, just, just being real. I like going to the mall even when I don't need anything at Christmas time just to hear the Christmas music. I'm just just being honest. Like, like I just like being around the chaos. Everybody's shopping and wearing their ugly sweaters. And, like, I got my Grinch Reeboks on, and I'm just walking around for no good reason. Don't need anything. It's just, like, I waved at Santa yesterday at the mall. I was like, yeah, feeling good. Like, there's part of it, Like, you just give me that Christmas music, and suddenly I want to be in Target for 20 minutes for no good reason. Oh, I completely agree. Are you kidding me? Like, we got this place called The Commons near me, and it's kind of like where I grew up. It was, like... The place to go on Friday nights, and it usually plays Frank Sinatra in these like in their audio, like while you're walking around. But when Christmas time came along, they'd start playing Christmas music, and they had this huge tree that they would put up. So as a kid, I used to love going there all the time during Christmas, just because of the vibes, the music, and I think ever since then, and because of that. I am so okay with Christmas coming in October, like right after Halloween. Like I am completely fine with it. Like I bought my Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. Like I was ready to go. I was very happy for it. Me and my mom still haven't decorated it, but it is sitting in our living room. Do not worry. No, I, 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 go ahead. No, I'll say the wife and I are right there with you. The day after uh, Christmas, by the way, we got our tree and it's set up in the room. We haven't had a chance to decorate it yet. I'm I'm all for even Thanksgiving Day, but November first. Halloween. The problem I have is when you're walking around a store and it's October 22nd and there's there's like nine Christmas aisles already set up. It was like, can I mean, Fitz, you love Halloween. Can we let Halloween breathe for a second? That's the yeah, problem no, that I have. 
I'm a big fan of like wake up the day after like November 1st. I should walk into the stores and everybody overnight reset everything. Right. Then it's like and put me straight into Christmas then. And like like I've always said, you know, you hang out, you have some drinks, you watch some games, you talk to you, your buddies. That's what you do at halftime of a football game. Well, that's what you do on Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving's halftime of Christmas. Like you can take those two, three days off for the weekend and then you get right back into it. I'm, I'm all in. But uh, you mentioned Sinatra. I, I, believe me, we'll get to football in a second. But you mentioned Sinatra, Shay. Like there is nothing. Thing, just more Christmassy, but also just classy, like bougie. That I love. Like I'm not a bougie guy, but I'm telling you, Christmas time, you just you, you turn all the lights down, so all you have is the glow of the Christmas lights on all the decorations and everything. The lights are dim in the whole house. You get to you get your record player, and you just put on like Sinatra Christmas. Any of it, you know. You 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 got that. I've got the record player that then goes to the Spotify or goes to the Sonos in the house. So like all the speakers have that like crispy recordy sound. Pour yourself a glass of whiskey, and you just sit down and like in a dimly lit room, you just appreciate of Christmas. Like you said, Sinatra, I get all my Christmas feels from like 100%. Sinatra Christmas on vinyl. Ooh. You just said oh. whiskey. Have you ever had whiskey with eggnog or bourbon with eggnog? No. Oh my God. That's a new one. What, okay. guys? No. Never had it. Oh my God. I'm not a huge eggnog guy. It has to be made just right for me to actually imbibe. Okay, I'm, I mean, I only have it when I go like snowboarding or like when I go um, for Christmas time. That's a big time Christmas drink. Whiskey and eggnog. It's like the only time I'll have it. Also, like a like an alcoholic mocha, like a like a hot chocolate. Have you guys ever had that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I usually call it a mammoth mocha because I only have it when I go up to Mammoth. But oh my goodness! The, wait, wait, wait. So mammoth mocha only because you got like I would have thought it was just a particularly large mocha. So it's like my mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> no, so there's this there's this mountain in in California. It's a it's a pretty big uh, ski location yep. and snowboard location. It's called Mammoth Mountain. And on the mountain they have like the lodges, and in the lodges they have pretty big bars. And at these bars, it's like a twenty dollar drink. But I'm I'm doing it. Are you kidding me? But it is so good, and it's so strong, but you don't notice it, so it's perfect for snowboarding. You just get a little bit tipsy. You don't really care if you eat, like, absolute face. Like, that would be the worst. But other than that, like, I'm happy. It's great. And I'm very excited to drink some eggnog and whiskey and a mammoth mocha. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big eggnog. I'm, I'm kind of like Figgy. It's got to be perfectly made. Uh, I have an old recipe that a friend of the family gave that that is takes way too long to make and it's worth it so like i'm an eggnog snob like if it's really good eggnog i'm in on it but for the most part like and the funny thing is once we hit like december 26th i i, I want none of this like once we hit december 26th <laughs> it's like all right the lights are done everything's like but but until then like oh man you got like especially when you're sitting in the house and it's just the glow of the old like c9 bulbs you kids are too young to understand like like the it's not led it's it's like it's got this warmth to it it feels like you're at the end of the movie christmas story where you're just mm. sitting there like with the, the snow falling in the tree oh man i'm telling like that to me when we talk about like the things that signify christmas just sitting there with like old Sinatra Christmas music on, uh, drink in hand, and, and the glow of the house, Figgy. That 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 feels like Christmas. Oh, to me. it's amazing. I one hundred percent know what you mean. And you know, we talk about violations on the show all the time. You guys tell me this is a violation, and this one goes to my wife. So this was two years ago. Uh, it's Christmas night, and she says, "What do you think about taking down the decorations?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I don't." <laughs> and I swear, the, we we never argue about anything. 
This was our standing argument. I was like, under no circumstances am I taking down Christmas decorations on Christmas Day. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Says the house is too cluttered. I want to. So we had a back and forth for probably about two and a half minutes. And of course, because I like you know my life and happy wife, happy life, <laughs> I ended up relenting. But I was like that. I've never felt more dirty in my life than when I took down Christmas on Christmas night. Oh yeah, it, it stays up until like January, mid January. For me, I just don't light everything the same way. It stays up till mid January. They're like, I just 100%. never, I yeah. never take that. Especially with the national championship game always being like a week after. Right, we're too like it's too slammed, too busy. Uh, I feel like it's a mid late January thing getting the decor. Like Shay, uh, uh, you're, you're. I mean, what's your mom tell you? To, I had to throw that in. Like, what's your <laughs> mom say about the decorations? <laughs> No, she's. I mean, we keep. We're lazy. Are you kidding? I mean, we keep it up forever. Keep it up. To, yeah, keep it up till Valentine's Day. Yeah, Let's go. When, oh, this, when the tree starts dying, that's when we'll throw it away. <laughs> I, just, I just love the fact that it's like, what's what's mom say we have to do about that? I've never felt older than I do on this show today. Okay, I promised you we would get into the matchups of the weekend. There are a couple of huge college, huge NFL matchups this weekend. But everybody's talking about one. We'll give you a different game. You have to watch this weekend next on the fellas. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.